are we fighting to save the humans? They're a primitive, violent race. Were we so different? They're a young species. They have much to learn. But I've seen goodness in them. Freedom is the right of all sentient beings. You all know there's only one way to end this war. We must destroy the cube. If all else fails, I will unite it with the spark in my chest. That's suicide. The cube is raw power. It could destroy you both. Unnecessary sacrifice to bring peace to this planet. We cannot let the humans pay for our mistakes. It's been an honor serving with you all. Autobots, roll out! We roll! Positively, uh, what is the word I'm trying to find today? It's not cherubic. Cherubic are fat little kids, aren't they? Yeah, it's not cherub. Fat. No, no, no. It's not that you're very. Um, your cheeks are very blushy today. I think I put on too much blush. Oh. I try to put my makeup on in the studio, I and there's no light. Was, I thought it might have been a healthy glow of some kind. No, I was trying to look put together today. Oh. Better at work. Okay. Well, in event. Like Jim down the hall. You're like that guy putting on his makeup during the during the turbulence scene in Airplane. Or that woman who's in the bathroom and they... Oh, I look like the mom in Requiem for a Dream again. <laughs> totally. Uh, bite down on this rubber tube, please. Why, hello, it's four minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of October, in the year of our Lord 2007. Were we so different once? Uh, it's a Rick Emerson radio program live from Portland, Oregon, greatest city on the God's green earth. It is Thursday, and uh, welcome to Day 12. If you want to join us today, it's honestly just this simple, my friends, compadres, amigos, companions. It is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You want to be uh, part of uh, today's radio program, today's excursion into whimsicality. Oh, and i got a piece comedy. of little breaking news here. I'm just I'm doing my warm-up. Okay, is it really breaking news? Hold yes, on, let me is. find Wait just a second. Let me, uh, ladies and gentlemen, now let me, uh... Okay. Snowball the deer is going home to his Malala family. The judge has just granted permission to send Snowball home. 
Thank you. You talk about fires. Can we please? Can we talk about fires all day? Can we do nothing? You, but, you know what fires are? I'm going to tell you something right now, Tim, and I don't mean to sound hard-hearted, and I really don't. Uh, I mean this sincerely, and of course, fire is a bad thing, and we're sad that Suzanne Summers had to leave her home, and all that that entails. Fire is weather. That's all it is. When they say, look, I, right now, I'm telling you this, there are voicemails being left uh, by overpaid radio consultants the entire continent over. There are voicemails being left for radio personalities and talk show uh, hosts of all stripes, and the voicemail says something like, what you really want to be doing right now is talking with your audience about the fire. And then it's always asking how they feel about it. How do they feel about this fire? What are their opinions on the fire? What are you feeling a little toasty? You no, see, I wasn't going to do that. No. Uh, one cannot have opinions, thoughts, feelings. You can't have a point of view. You can't have a stance on weather. It's just sort of there. Like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's like Alan Hale. It's just sort of there. It's a force of nature. You know, what are you going to do? All right, it's 503-733-2970. We'd like to be uh, part of today's uh, radio program. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's uh, rick at rickemerson.com, sarah at 970.am, or tim at 970.am. The uh, telephone number today, 503-733-2970. Your comments, your clarifications, your corrections, your conventions, your two cents, your what have you. Uh, our good friend, not Tim Riley, but Tim Ryan, uh, who many of you know from uh, his little slices of amusing editorial on this radio station. Oh, Timmy Ryan. Timmy Ryan. Yeah. Timmy I Ryan. have difficulty calling, I mean, first to Scotty, then a Timmy. Uh, can I just tell you this, by the way? I was watching Boogie Nights the other night. Timmy. He does. I just have difficulty. It's like having a Y at the end of your name when you're a grown man. just makes a little bit, you know. It works for him because he's in radio, but like Tommy Thompson, as I think somebody was pointing out the other day, Tommy Thompson can never be elected president. You can't have President Tommy. It just doesn't work. Uh, anyway, so I guess we should call him Timmy so as to differentiate him. I already had somebody confused and thinking you were screening calls today. And they actually I don't know said how to that, do that. I know. I, they, they said, well, how's he going to do that while he's also doing his news? And I said, who? And they said, Tim. And I said, Tim is doing it. And they said, what, Tim? And I said, Tim Ryan. And they said, how's he going to do it while doing his news? And then it Which was like the a story whole... equals why we call him Timmy and not Tim. That's what I'm saying. It was a whole who's on first thing. So right. anyway, the point is that Timmy Ryan is standing by, ready to pass along your comments about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane at 503 503- 733-2970. Uh, uh, we'll get calls here in a second. Um, they are coming in uh, as we speak, so we will uh, take those calls today and every day as we strive to serve you, the radio listener. Uh, coming up later on, we have seen a radio correspondent, Ed McCarthy, who will be joining us. Boy, man, it, you want to talk about just a pounding. I don't even really care about baseball all that much. I mean, only so much as that I said yesterday as it intersects with American popular culture in a sort of large sense. You want to talk about just being taken out and beaten like the family mule. I mean, they, it, Jesus Christ. I mean, the Colorado Rockies got beaten like they owed somebody rent. 13 to 1. 13 to 1. <laughs> I mean... They got beaten like a gong. It's fantastic. I mean, maybe less so if you live in Colorado. I like it when anybody is completely and totally ground under the heel of somebody else. I don't care for these. It is a lot of people. I like it when it goes up into the final bell and then somebody squeaks by. I don't like it when anybody squeaks by. I like it when someone's dreams are just completely crushed. I like to see someone just completely decimated publicly. That's what I live for. That's what I enjoy. 
Jesus. Well, Colorado should have a baseball team anyway. Yeah. It well, snows there. You don't think of baseball and snow together? I think we might be on the way to making that dream a reality, Tim. <laughs> 13 to 1. In the wow. opener. In the opener. Opener. Wait, I'm sorry. Opener. I barely knew her. Uh, in the yeah, 13 to 1. So, uh, so suck that, snowboy. All right. Uh, anyway, so we got Ed McCarthy coming up about that later on. He'll be happy, you know, because he's a Bostonian. So he'll be he'll be excited. Uh, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Mark Shearer. Did you know the mob was going to kill Giuliani? Sure, why not? That's Tim Riley who said that, by the way. I well, of course going to get him. I I of course do not advocate uh, the mob killing anybody, especially a governmental official. That would be wrong. Uh, we will sadly not be. Ta- I never thought I'd say this. Sadly, we'll be talking to Jim Roop today, not Brooke Binkowski, who is my new best friend. Um, yeah, you talked about her an uncomfortable amount yesterday. You know what's uncomfortable is the any number of listeners who sent me her MySpace page yesterday. Oh. <gasps> I didn't go looking for it. They sent it to me. I am right now. She's, a, she's an attractive woman. She is. I she is. That. I saw it, but I Googled her. I didn't even think to MySpace for you clever folk. You know, uh, she's a CBS employee, so I will speak respectfully. How do you spell her name? We're in the booth. We're fine. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, Brooke Binkowski. B- Really? Am I doing this? Okay, wait, I'm just going to figure it out. You don't have to Here. Talk. It's right over here. Look on the sheet. I can't. I don't want to do that. I want oh, to do that. I got her. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Ed McCarthy today. She is. She's, and she's very funny. Um, and usually those two things don't go together. Uh, Ed McCarthy, Jim Roof, Mark Shearer will join us today. Jim Roof, of course, will get the chance to ask him about his pants catching on fire while covering the uh, the weather. I'm sorry, the fire the other day. Uh, we'll have uh, today's top five, top five presidential campaign songs of all time. We will read the worst email in the history of everything. We'll give away another copy of American Gangster uh, Season 1. Uh, that's coming up later on today. A giveaway of American Gangster Season 1. A penis watch today. I do believe we have a clown watch. No, no, no. Not a clown watch. What is this? I'm sorry. Geek watch. Geek watch. Penis watch. Double penis watch, actually. Uh, and your phone calls. Uh, and other whimsicality and merriment, as is our want. It's 503-733-2970. Um, we'll take a couple of these. Hello. You're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir. Madam. Hey, Rick. Me. How's it going? What's up? Not much. You talked her out so much, so many things this morning already. I I didn't know Timmy Ryan was on the the, the blower, answering the phone. On the blower. <laughs> the phone. Blower. I barely knew her. Anyway. No, he's, yes, he is in there. Yeah, he's a funny guy. Yeah, um, he's, he's amusing. But yeah, the opening of the show was cool. I really liked it. Okay. Transformers. Yeah, now let me just say this. Now, we played the opening speech, and it was Optimus Prime, and I know that somebody's going to call me a hypocrite because I just railed on that movie so relentlessly. Dan Bush. As I told the guy who sent me that clip, his name is Ryan, um, he actually sent me that clip to use. That is the best scene in an otherwise bad film. It's a, it's yeah. a terrible film, but one of the things that makes the Transformers, and this is relatable, by the way, because it's out on DVD. This week, uh, if you watch the Transformers film, one of the things that made it so painful for me to watch is that Optimus Prime is, of course, a badass, and I don't just mean in general. And yeah, I don't, he and gets I don't, off. Yeah, and I don't mean in like a nostalgic kind of way. I mean in the movie, he is written fantastically. Peter Cullen does the voice wonderfully. I mean, he, it, Optimus Prime is great in that film. But the thing is, nothing else in the Transformers movie is done that way. The rest of the movie is John Turturro being peed on, you know. And it's it, <laughs> it, 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 Optimus Prime seems like he's from some completely different film. But, but that is a great it. sequence. But when I first saw it when I was younger, it was kind of hard to, to relate to watch it because did you see him get killed? Yeah, I know. You know, because they never showed anybody die on the cartoon. Yeah, no, it's true. 
You know, and then that sequence where they board the ship and they start blasting him and two of the Autobots just, like, slump dead. No, I know. It's, like, it's, what? It's, it's traumatic. The, the G.I. Joe movie's the same way. I'm pretty sure a guy gets a knife right in the eye in that G.I. Joe film. Yeah. Hey. But, yeah. Um, well, thank you, know, you, sir. You talked around so much other stuff, but, yeah, you're cool. Thanks. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Wonderful. That's great. Um, no, that, that Optimus Prime speech is the best. That is the best thing in that Transformers film. And it really is truly great. I mean, it's, it's a great moment. Um, Sarah, though, and Tim both expressed a little bit of puzzlement, confusion. Well, I knew that was the Transformers thing, but I, did, I thought it, the original movie was just cartoons. Um, well, there was but Transformers. The one, right? There was the Transformers. I forget how it works. One was called Transformers the movie, and one was just called the Transformers movie. I forget exactly how it works. There was a, in like 87, 89, something like that. There was the Transformers animated film. Yeah, where Prime gets snuffed. Uh, it was all very sad. Uh, but then we had this. We had this today. This is from the Transformers, you know, the Michael Bay one uh, that just came out. But you sort of expressed puzzlement because we were playing the, uh, you know, the Transformers speech. There are young together. species. They have much to learn. Right here. And then we'll get the other call. I've seen goodness in them. Freedom is... And then we... On this planet, we cannot let the humans pay for our mistakes. It's been an honor serving with you all. Come on, how great. Autobots, roll out. Fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. It's great. It is. Best thing in the movie. But almost the same issue monologue these days for movies of that genre. Like, for example, a Bill Pullman movie. Yeah. Just as insane. Okay, and then we segued into this, and this is where you and Tim got the sort of puzzlement on your face. Now, let me ask you. Sounds like it would be hilarious in context. Do you know where this is from? No. Okay, that's painful on like a hundred different levels. So if you don't know where this is from, this this is actually from two different things. We'll have a listener call up. Oh, we'll go back to the mono bed here. We uh, segued from the Transformers uh, thing to that version of You Got the Touch. So we'll have one of those You Got the Touch fans out there call up and explain why I did what I just did there. Or as they say in the Internet, you see what I did there. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hey, how's it going, Rick? What's up? Uh, oh, just uh, I was gonna call and tell you about a buddy of mine that got uh, nailed, uh, nail from a nail gun, shot through work. Can I tell you why I love this audience, this program, everything about what we do here? Because the last guy was calling up to talk about Transformers, and you are calling for, and I mean this is a compliment, no readily apparent reason to tell me about quote a guy of yours who got hit with a nail gun. I thought you would find it amusing I and do, entertaining. No, no, no. I do find As it to be both of those things. I find it to be both of those things in spades. But it's sort of a meta thing because on top of just the actual amusement of the nail gun injury, I find it fantastic that A, you knew that we would want to hear about it, and B, you didn't wait for a subject about nail guns. You didn't wait for a nail gun discussion. You didn't wait for it to be part of some overarching nail gun conversation. You just decided apropos of nothing to tell us. Please now to tell me the nail gun story. Go. Yes, my uh, good buddy is a framer, and he was uh, putting up a large header beam yeah. up. Uh, uh, so yeah. He was up on a uh, ladder, uh, ladder, and he had a real smart uh, buddy of his that was helping out. Not me, I guarantee you that. Uh, holding the nail gun to hand it to him, and apparently he needed to get down from the ladder, so he was backing down the ladder. Right. And his elbow hit the safety switch. Right. And oh, counter sunk. Right into his elbow between the two, the two bones in his forearm, so he couldn't he couldn't bend the arm and the elbow, and he couldn't twist it. 
And it was, you know, it's a framing nail, so it's a good three and a half inches long. That's no good. And uh, so he went to the hospital. That is no good. That is no good. Well, he had, after three hours, because he wasn't bleeding, so apparently he wasn't a priority. Of course not. After three hours at the hospital, they finally got to him. And it's a countersunk nail right into your elbow, too. The only place you could put that... that, Of course they did. The only place that would be worse is right in your knee. I mean, that's, you know... All right. Foot skull. He kept the nail. Of course he did. Did He should put it in Lucite, make it in some sort of an amusing paperweight. Indeed. All right, thank you, my friend. God, God bless you. All right, there you go. That's Eric. Calling us about a nail gun injury. Later on, I'm going to go to Google News, and I'm going to put in the phrase nail gun and see what we come up with. Oh. Do a whole segment of nail gun stories. You won't hear those kind of stories during an NPR pledge break now. No, no, you won't, Tim Riley. Think of how much more money they would make in pledges if they did that, mm-hmm. though. We, the next time we do any sort of charity thing, we try not to help people here, but the next time we do any sort of a charity-based uh, thing for whoever, children, or the enfeebled, uh, the... Um, uh, we ought to do, 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 do have that sort of hold stories ransom, you know, like a great story about a guy falling into a, you know, like a like a tree stripping machine. But we won't reveal the story until we get like another. That only happens around pleasure. Christmas. Oh, I know, but we're coming up on that time. Usually the late shift on Christmas Eve. <laughs> um, all right, I'm gonna flip a coin here to see which of these you got the touch calls we take first. Hold on, uh, somebody to explain the opening monologue to Tim and Sarah. All right, we're going to go to uh, this guy. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, um, Sarah hasn't seen uh, Nights. I'm sorry? Sarah hasn't seen Boogie Nights. Sarah has apparently not seen Boogie Nights. Oh, I have seen Boogie Nights. I haven't seen it in a really long because time. Because that is the song that, that Dirk Diggler, well, on one level, yes, that is the song you got to touch. That is what Dirk Diggler sings when he's in the recording studio with Michael Penn and John C. Riley. And he's, like, trying to make it as a recording star, because that's the next logical step when you're Dirk Diggler, apparently, his pop star. So he's singing You Got the Touch. Now, can you take it to the next level, sir? No, I'm afraid I, I, I tuned in late. I missed that part. What was it? Uh... I, okay, we had segued from the Transformers monologue, Optimus Prime, to yeah. You Got the Touch. Do you know why we did that? No, I'm totally in the dark about that. Oh, all right, okay. Completely in the dark. All right, well, listen and, listen and ye shall learn. Yes, thank, thank you. Bye. Bye now. All right. Uh, we'll come back to these explanatory calls here in a few. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? I'm doing well. I have three observations. Okay. Please to make them now. Okay, number one, I've just discovered the fabulous thing called mineral water, and it's my new favorite thing. Lard drinks, guys. Is that Crystal Geyser? It is so good. Well, I don't care the brand. I just like the... But, I mean, it's like the water with a little fruity business in it? Yes. Yeah, she drinks that. It's orange-flavored. Two, if you put it in coffee, it makes your coffee taste kind of orangey and delicious. Like cream and some like orange middle. Yeah, but you can't really tell. Just gives it carbonated coffee. Really? Yeah, it's really good. Okay. And then three, um, I had another teeth dream last night. Really? Except this one, my teeth were huge and I couldn't close my mouth. <laughs> and I kept trying to talk. <laughs> it was so freaky. I was trying to talk and I couldn't. I couldn't get out any words because my teeth were so big on the top and the bottom that I could not talk and then I remember I found my retainer and I was trying to like make them smaller by putting my giant retainer on my giant teeth and it didn't help and then I was afraid I was going to choke. That is fantastic. It looked like a big Basil Wolverton drawing. Yeah, they were all like gangly and weird too and they were huge and they were like poking out. It's like that. Have you ever seen that uh, that episode of The Simpsons where Lisa has to get braces or retain or something because the doctor is showing her bad teeth? And the doctor does this great thing. He's like, let's take a look at what your teeth will be in 10 years if you don't get braces. And they're all like going at every, they're like a foot long and going in every weird direction. Oh, that's, that's exactly what it was. It was freaky. That is the second dental dream in one week. Yes. 
And this one was very vivid. Well. And I was trying to talk, and I couldn't figure out why I, I couldn't speak. And then I looked in the mirror, and I had these huge teeth. It is a time of change at CBS. <sighs> it's a time of transition. It is a time of... Uh, okay, so the first time pain. I had shifting teeth. Now this time I have giant teeth. Well, maybe giant, that means, like, gnarly teeth. Maybe that means we're going to get raises. Probably not. Probably not. All right. Here's Tim Riley working on the following stories for you. Maybe it means Jerry I... Lewis will be a guest very soon. Okay. Jerry Lewis, the giant teeth. Oh, okay. I didn't know where you were going with that. I yeah. it was all confused. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, uh, Snowball the deer is going home. Paris Hilton wants to be frozen with her pets after they die. Really? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Uh, fire inspectors admit there is a small percentage of the general public that loves to set fires. We'll find out who might do that. Microsoft is buying Facebook. By popular demand, the recently reopened Burnside Bridge will close again. Excellent. Uh, I mean, no. And Ogden's what? mayor puts a burglar in a headlock. Okay. Oh, in Ogden, Utah? Yes. All right. Excellent. Well done. All that coming up, uh, plus a copy of American Gangster Season 1 uh, on DVD. We'll be giving that away uh, later on. Where is Where are my copy points for that? I, my required copy points for American Gangster seem to have eluded me at the moment. Eluded, Michael. Uh, I don't know where they went. All right. Well, I got some observations of my own that we're going to get to here, but we've got to finish these calls here at the top. Okay. So, again, just to drag this out as long as we possibly can. So we played the Optimus Prime Transformer speech. I was pretty proud of this when I came up with this this morning. And then we segued into Dirk Diggler singing, You got the touch! Uh, let's get, uh... Hi, hello, sir. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Larry? Hey, Rick. What's yeah, up? Yeah, that was pretty good of, of what you did that in there. Because that's when uh, Rod, Hot Rod opened up the creation matrix and became Rodimus Prime inside of Unicorn. So here's the thing, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> can smell the datelessness. Um, so the no, here's the thing. Let me just explain it in layman's terms, Tim and Sarah. Tim is leaving the room. You're going to miss my explanation. Oh, all right, I'll stay. Okay, so here's the thing. We played the Transformer speech. Then we played Dirk Diggler singing "You Got the Touch." Now, that song he sings in Boogie Nights in the studio, the "You Got the Power," is originally from the Transformers animated movie that came out in, like, the late 80s. Uh, like, a, a, a full-on, completely professional synth-pop version of that is actually from 1980-something, and it was on the Transformers soundtrack. It, it was released, only Transformers nerds knew about it, and then I remember going to see Boogie Nights in the theater in about 1997. Didn't know much about it, because the Internet was still nascent at that point. We're there watching Boogie Nights in the theater, and, you know... There's Dirk Diggler trying to make it as a pop star, and he's in the studio, and the guy goes, Dirk Diggler, take one. And he starts singing, you got the touch! And like three guys in the theater, I was one of them, three guys in the theater went, oh my God, he's singing You Got the Touch from the Transformers movie, <laughs> which Paul Thomas Anderson just laid in there as a joke because he knew that like 1% of the guys in the audience would get it. So there you go. So it is the Transformers remake. Hey, Segwayed into Dirk Diggler singing a song from the original Transformers film. Yeah, Rick, it played twice on the movie. The first time it played was when uh, <laughs> Optimus Prime yeah. uh, took on the Megatron when right before Optimus Prime died. Okay, fantastic. Excellent. And it's on the soundtrack also featuring, um, God, I think there's a song from White Lion or something on there, too. Yeah. All right. Thank you, my friend. Be well. There you go. The soundtrack to the Transformers animated film produced by Spencer Proffer, who produced all of Quiet Riot's first albums. Just in case you want to know. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing? What's up? Well, I have a... Sn not snuff, I'm sorry. A Darwin watch that's out of date, but too funny to let slide. 
Okay, so we've already had an impromptu nail gun, and now we have a, an impromptu Darwin watch. Okay, go ahead. Tell the story, sir. All right. So remember last year up Seattle Way, they had this big ice storm and a whole bunch of outages, power outages? Yes, I do. So there weren't a whole lot of deaths, but I heard from a guy. and this the is disappointment the kind of guy, in your voice. Yes? This is the kind of guy who has, you know, this is 70% likely to be true. But um, apparently a large number of those deaths were because families got into the garage started up the car to watch a DVD. Really? Are you kidding me? Really? Well, this is told to me as truth. Well, we don't care if it's true or not. As long as it was told to you as truth, sir, that's good enough for us. That's good enough for the fact-checking department. It's, it's good, look, good enough for Dan Rather, good enough for us. We'll just pass it along. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Give you the best. Thank you, sir. There you go. Thank you. No. Thank you. Uh, and one more here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Question for Sarah about Cabaret. Yeah. Um, so I went last night, it was a great show, obviously Storm uh, doesn't wear a bra on the whole thing, but what? you know that, uh, yeah, you know that she's in the white dress near the end? Oh, when she takes off her top? Transform. Rick, I can't hear him. I'm sorry, his phone sucks. When when she's wow. changing and... No, and no, 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 no. Later, in the, later when she's wearing the white dress at the very end, uh -huh. near the end, yeah. is it possible she wasn't wearing underwear? Well, it is Storm. Yeah, I mean, and if she wasn't, I don't think she'd care. Well, she does have tattoos, like, very, very, very low down in the front. So she could have been wearing underwear, but you maybe could have been seeing the tattoos through. Well, I, I just, the reason I asked is there was this guy next to me, and I swear he could have craned his neck anymore to look. <laughs> really? That's and so was, sad. Well, my daughter's next to me, and I mean, not next, she's in front, the row in front of me, and I just thought, well, this is a little awkward now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I, I will say this. I would think that Storm would be wearing underwear. I would say this, that I know that they are trying, and Storm, to her credit, is they're trying very hard to not make it the Storm Large show, and, and obviously because Storm wants to be known as an actress in this role and not just, you know, I mean, she, she doesn't want people to go and see Storm. She wants people to go to people to go and see the character. Um, and so I know that she's working really hard and sort of vanishing into the role and not having a lot of her own mannerisms present. And let me put it this way. I've seen Storm at Dante's a couple of times where I'm like 99.9% .9 certain there were no undergarments of any kind. So I suspect that in trying to get away from that sort of persona, she probably did have the appropriate undergarments. But then again, I, I can't really say because I'm not seeing it until this weekend. So. Well, I recommend it. It was an incredible show. It was, you know... It was incredible. It's beautiful. Well, thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> Just sort of fell apart at the end. Okay, so unbidden today in the opening segment, we've had a nail gun story, Darwin watching someone talking about Storm's area. Well, I mean, and the guys, I don't. I would be surprised if any of them were wearing any underwear. I mean, the guys are dancing around with, like, just boxer shorts on. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey, do we want to interview Mrs. Fields of Mrs. Fields Cookies? Yes. Okay, fantastic. I'm not sure she still owns the company, though. I don't know. She's. I think she made, there is a Mrs. Fields, though. I've met her. Just like there's the famous Amos, but he sold the cookie place a long time ago. Oh, man, famous Amos. I dig that guy. Mm -hmm. I, I would, you know, that is your best cookie value in this vending machine in the, uh, right there in the in the kitchen. You go into the vending machine, like $65, that's like half a pound of cookies, it seems like, out of there. Now, Mrs. Fields, now, she started the company 30 years ago. I met her about 10 years ago and still hot as balls, so I'm assuming she still is. I guess it's going to be on the phone. It doesn't matter. All right, well, I'll have one of our people look into that. Uh, all right, we'll take a break here in just a second. By the way, just in terms of, the, 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 we're going to talk now about um, 
I mean, it's really a yin and a yang here. So I got a lot of crap sent to me uh, in the mail. I got two magazines that arrived yesterday in my inbox. Somebody just daves in, came by and plopped them down on my desk. One of these will not be read by me at all, ever, in any way. In fact, it's going to go into the trash as soon as I'm done talking about it. I'm judging from the back because I can already tell which one. Yeah. Well, you know what the second one is. I don't I, I don't, don't know how I got on the mailing list. Do you ever get on the mailing list of people like, what's her name, Cheryl blah, 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 from Pepper's blah, 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 Deli the other day? I got on the mailing list from some, and you can already tell it's a magazine put out by libertarians because every article has some, like, snot-nosed, pretentious title. Um, it's, it's called The Individualist, and the I is, like, red, and the rest of the individual's word is white, so it's basically, you know, I, because, because libertarians are all just kind of dicks. Uh, and so the magazine is called The Individualist, How to Create Your Own Personal Microculture. Because don't get me wrong. I mean, look, I'm a big selfish bastard. But, but really, I try to at least sort of leaven that with a little bit of humor, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of personal style. Libertarians have none of it. They're just a-holes. They're just a-holes. They're smug. They're irritating. Not nearly as intelligent as they think they are. And really unbelievably boring. So anyway, so I'd like to thank you. Oh, and they open it with a quote from Ayn Rand. Like, in case you didn't know that this is a magazine you never need to read, ever... In case you were unclear about whether to waste even ten seconds of your life reading it, the fact that you open it up and right there by the masthead, there is a uh, there's a quote from Ayn Rand. That is kind of great, actually, because that's sort of the literary canary in the magazine coal mine. You know right then you don't need to waste any more time. So thank you, uh, libertarian dicks at um, The Individualist. Your magazine will be read by no one. Into the trash. Uh, right beneath that, my new issue of Gothic Beauty came today, though. So I would like to thank, oh, uh, like to thank everybody there. Uh, I didn't ask for this, nor am I receiving anything. This is not for consideration. They, they simply send it to me unasked. So issue 24 of Gothic Beauty magazine is here. I will be reading this over and over and over, and over, and over again. We know. Uh, take a break. Here we come back. We will talk to uh, CNN radio correspondent Mark Shearer. More of your phone calls, etc. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Rick Emerson radio. the wrong clip. I'm totally playing the wrong. Hold on. Let me see if I can play this here. Hold on. Let me just, let me try this again. Do you want me to come back? This is more of a smooth broadcasting that, uh, that CBS pays us for. Wait, hold on. Let me see if I can. Uh... Now I'm doing my Optimus Prime voice. Let me see if I can find a new clip to play. Hey, that was That's kind of impressive. Good. No, no, okay, it's not it either. Play it regular bump? No, hold on. No, no, no. I can find one more. I'm going to try one more here. Was I so different once? There we go. Thank you. Oh, only seven You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah. It's terrible. That's why it hurts. We should make this somebody's theme. Maybe it should be. This could be the theme from Mark Shearer from CNN. But yeah, baby. Sounds like it would be on um, 21 Jump Street. Totally. Winner. The bass taking away from my vocals. So, yeah, so a picture. Here I am. It's 1996, I think, 1997. I go to see Boogie Nights in the theater, and we sort of knew they had been so... 
they had been such hard asses about the Boogie Nights thing that they it was the trailer, but obviously it was before you could leak footage on the internet, and they, they wanted it shrouded in mystery. They knew we knew it was about the '70s porn industry, but nobody really knew anything else about it. So we're going to see Boogie Nights, which is a flawless film, by the way. I'm going to watch that again this weekend. It is brilliant, top to bottom. Um, but here's Dirk Diggler in the recording studio, and Michael Penn playing the engineer does the, uh, you know, Dirk Diggler, take one, you get the touch. You know, and then he starts singing this song. And, I mean, this was ten years before the Transformers nostalgic resurgence. There was no reason to expect they would be playing the, the Transformers theme in, in Boogie Nights, mm-hmm. and yet there it is. So the next time you watch Boogie Nights, realize that Dirk Diggler is singing the Transformers song. Fantastic. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, CNN Radio correspondent, the one and only Mark Shearer. Hello, sir. How are you today? Hey, I'm just taking my leg warmers and my uh, headband off. Fantastic. Uh, after this, you can get back to work polishing a hardwood floor and for in front of a, a dance committee somewhere. Um, okay, so let me let me ask you this. First of all, how's life? How are things? And I have to ask this: Is it cold where you are? Uh, kind of, yeah. Because let me just say this, and I realize that you didn't ask for this little window into my personal life, but I'm going to tell you, because I'm a good person, Mark Shearer, I rode my bicycle to work this morning here at the CBS, and it was damn cold outside. And because I am a sissy, I have to wear this. I get these I have these big dumbbell ears, and so I, I have to wear one of those like headband things that covers your ears, and I couldn't find it this morning. And I finally just, I was looking at the clock and finally... Please tell me you had to borrow one of Lara's headbands to wrap around your head. No, because that, no. No, but that would that would actually be funnier, but no. I, finally, I just looked at the clock, and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I just have to brave it like a man. So I bicycled to work, and boy, howdy, was it cold outside. I mean, it really, it's like you could feel the cilia inside your ear freezing and snapping off like icicles in July. I mean, it was just bad. That's so. the silliest thing I've ever heard. Well, okay. Let's just move along to what's important to you then, Mark Shearer, big news guy in New York City. Um, I mentioned this to Tim this morning, and we sort of had, maybe not a chuckle, that's maybe the wrong way to put it, but just there's this story that's coming out today that at one point, uh, the bosses of what all men refer to as the five families, which is the five organized crime families in New York, is it true that at one point, I guess he wasn't the mayor at that point, but at one point, these five families were talking about putting a hit out on Rudy Giuliani, who... Whatever one thinks of him is kind of a terrifying person. Rudy Giuliani does strike you as a guy you don't want to screw with. And so the idea of them just either so fearing or hating Giuliani that they had decided he had to be gotten rid of is sort of interesting. So what what is the background on this and why didn't it happen? In the 80s, he was a federal prosecutor, and uh, he, made a, he made a name going after organized crime and was quite successful with the uh, help of the RICO Act, um, put many of them behind bars, including the head of the Gambino family, John Gotti. And what you're talking about, it, it turns out to have been one of the, the earliest votes that the uh, Republican presidential hopeful uh, came out on the winning side of. And that, and that is, allegedly, in 1986, because he was going after the five families, they had a big meeting and uh, addressed the subject of whether or not to whack Rudy. Um, and as it turns out, the vote was Three to two against. Now, did it, what was the reason for this? Was it uh, why did does it, do we know why they decided not to do it? Well, it's no fun having your livelihood uh, being investigated by federal prosecutors. I suppose if you're a uh, organized crime member, although some uh, some organized crime families had you know standing rules over the ages from Sicily on that said you'd never go after um, police or or prosecutors because. The, it, it brings it brings you know what down on you. 
but it has been done, and that's what they were discussing. And Gotti and the head of the Colombo crime family voted um, for it, but the heads of the Bonanno, Lucchese, and Genovese groups were against it, and it apparently um, so-called plot was uh, never hatched. Well, all right then. Well, lucky. And that's kind of the weird thing about it. If you if you sort of. Uh, it, it, I mean, I don't know at what point Rudy Giuliani ever was made aware of this. I mean, we're hearing about it now. So you got to figure at some point somebody sat Rudy Giuliani down in a room and said, Hey, do you remember back when you were the, doing that prosecuting thing in 1986? Hey, there's a thing you need to know that almost happened. I mean, that's one of those where you just don't even realize on a daily basis how close you just come to it to having something terrible happen to you, you know? Well, as it, as it turns out, just a week or two ago, he addressed that very subject on another cable television channel, which will go unnamed here. And he sort of, we didn't brag, but he talked about what he had heard, that back in the day um, he was told that there was an $800,000 contract offered by the Sicilian Mafia to whack him. And then he kind of joked, he said that he had put another um, mob figure in prison for 100 years, and he said the guy took it personally and put out a contract on him for only $400,000. So he was down, somebody was downgraded. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. How well, you know, you don't want to screw with the Lucchese family, my friend. No. They'll, uh, they're ruthless. They'll kill you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mark Shearer, enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. We will uh, talk to you very soon. Take care. All right, there you go. Mark Shearer, ladies and gentlemen, in New York City. He didn't find me amusing at all. That's okay. Doesn't matter. No, you should have, because he doesn't understand, like, the moment of silence that we do after a really bad joke. I think he thought you were making fun of him. I, I wasn't really making fun of him. I guess he doesn't know that. Well, he sorry. Know that. Maybe I'll. I guess he can't hear me. He can't hear you, pal. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Part. we got a few minutes. We never have time here. Mm -hmm. We have a couple minutes to kill here. I Maybe am... you need to stop making CNN correspondents hate you. I... That's when we... they get off the we... phone. Like him I have to go, Rick. And Rachel McGrath, your conversations with them are literally like a minute and a half. Becoming shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. uh, hello, Rick. I don't wish to have talked to you, but it's my job. Uh, all right. Well, we never have any time here. We always come. We always we talk to the CNN guy, uh, and then we uh, we move. So I don't know. We'll we'll do a couple things here, and then we'll break here in a few, and we'll come back with Tim Riley. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, not too much. Just wanted to call, man. I've been out of town for four years. Yes, sir. Just got back into town, and it is just a sweet sound to hear you and Tim Riley and. Miss Sarah on the radio again. Well, I'm glad we can pour the sweet honey of us or whatever into your ears. Yeah, I mean, you got CNN uh, correspondents coming out and cracking dubs like that. You're going to have to throw a little bit of pause after them, man. That, that was that was rough. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad. Well, you know, look, I, the Mark, it takes a while to get. Mark Shearer can be forgiven. It takes a little while to find the unique rhythms of the Rick Emerson radio program. It's not necessarily anything that you can just step right into. You know what I mean? Right, 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 man. Well, I was just calling to get a little bit of update on you guys, man, just seeing how you're doing. And uh, Sarah Dillon, get married. <laughs> Sarah, would you like to answer that? I have something in my eye I have to get out over here. I don't think I could be further away from that. No, that's oh, okay. not, yeah, in the, right. not on the cards. <laughs> on, the, uh, right. on the upside, uh, though, during the last commercial break, she did adjust her makeup and no longer looks like a clown. <laughs> well, that's, 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 that's positive. You really should have taken it before and after I photo. really should have because you can't see in here. It's pitch black in here and I was trying to do my makeup. So you're and... putting on your makeup in the dark? Yeah. And you just added more and more until you could well, finally like, see it. This blush isn't showing up. I must put on five layers. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I actually, I thought you'd just sort of like bicycle to work in a roaring blizzard or something. <laughs> your face was, you looked like a Campbell's Soup Kid. I know. All right. Nice. Hi. Uh, all right. Is there anything else we can help you with, sir? No, man, that's it, man. I just called you on my way out of town four years ago, and I'm calling you on my way back in, man. It's just good to hear from you guys. Awesome. And, uh, 
keep up the solid work. Thank you, my friend. All right, brother. You guys have a good one. Thank you. One firing in that time. It's weird to think about that, actually. Some guy uh, calls us on the way out of town four years ago, comes back, calls us now after four years. He's back in town. Think of all that has happened. And we've been fired and off the air, and there was the coffee cup thing, and then we're back, and everything since then. It's just weird, man. Life yeah. is strange. Hi, you're on the, uh, I guess we'll just do some calls here until the top of the hour. If you have a random observation you've been dying to make, this no, is a good time to... This is Timothy Con. I figured I'd give you some filler. Yes, I... If I can just... Hold on. If I can just... I, no, if... You got the... Okay. You got the... Uh-huh. Is he serious? I don't think so. How long can I do this? I don't know. Are you getting that, Rick? Yes, yes sir. Yes, can you, can you can you hold on a second? Sir? Can you? Can, okay. okay, hold on just one second. Certainly. So what I was going to say to other people who are not Timothy, hold on one second, <laughs> Timothy. What I was going to say is, if you have a random observation about, you know, Transformers, or you got the touch, or Unicron, or... Or really anything. This is now the time to do that because I got about four, I got about I got about four minutes until I, until we're breaking here, and normally there's another CNN radio correspondent, but that's not happening at this very moment. So we have a small little window of time for your observations about whatever. It's there's just, nothing that panics you more than having two or three minutes of airtime. Because hold on, Timothy, you, just, yeah, you have to restrain yourself. What's going on with Timothy? Timothy can't wait to get his know, thoughts. You okay, out. Timothy? It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. No, it's not that it panics me. It's that it's just an odd. You know what it is? It's like uh, Stephen King talked about writing books, and he said the problem with writing, um, God, what did he say? He said the problem with, with uh, writing is that when you get to between, he said the most terrifying moment for him as an author is when he is between 30,000 and 40,000 words. Because he's like, under 30,000 words, that's a short story. Over like 45, 50,000 words, that's a novel. A short novel, like Fight Club's only 50,000 words, but that's a, that's a novel. Between 30 and 40,000 words, you, have, you are terrified because if the story just ends at about 38,000 words, you have something you can't sell to anybody. You cannot sell a novel that is only 38,000 words because mm-hmm. that's like a 15-page novel, and you can't sell it to a magazine because it's too long for a short story. You know where we are right now? We're in the novella uh, section of the program. I have now three and a half minutes to fill. And it's just awkward, because I can't start anything large here. Well, uh, maybe we should see what Timothy has to say. Well, oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry, Timothy. I forgot you were there. Uh, what's, how can I help you, sir? <laughs> I was just going to offer a scene that would have lasted 2.34 sec minutes, which was the touch. And as you were talking, you cut me off. I stepped on my uh, my electrical box, and my Xbox turned off, and I lost the scene. So... I can't offer much right now. Aww. I can't even get the scene set up. So this is um So this is awkward for all of us. This is awkward all around. We right? heard a little bit of the song, Timothy. Were you, trying, were you trying to play You've Got the Touch? I had a plane. Yeah, we heard yeah, that. We heard, it. we heard that for about twelve seconds, then it went away. Alright, well you know what? I'm going to scene selection. I know what scene it is. So what is it you're trying to do? You're trying to play a scene from the Transformers film over the phone, over the radio. No, I was playing from Boogie Nights. I just happened to rent it last night. Oh, I night. see. Oh, yeah, it's a fantastic film. It is. Well, it is I, look, here's the thing, Timothy. I appreciate you attempting to help us. In vain. Yes. Well, you know, that's all right. Thank you, my friend. Have a good day. All right, there you go. Well, that's unfortunate. Well, you know, points for trying. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's Yesterday you, you were talking about the dialogue leading up to the Melanie song. In uh, in Boogie Nights, yeah. In Boogie Nights, you missed the best line of the whole movie. Uh, uh, is this safe for the air, sir? Uh, when Roller Girl says, 
You know what I'm talking about? Is it safe for the air? Is this safe for the air? Uh, one of the words isn't. Okay, then let's <laughs> see. <laughs> but she says, are we going to F now? Yes. And I forget what Jack says after it, but it was a classic. I know that. I forget something, but, 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 but it's so great. That movie, I, I know I've been on... I think he says, yes, darling. I, I've been on a Boogie Nights kick for a couple of days, actually. And I think it's because that Melanie song, the brand new key song we were playing, mm -hmm. which features so prominently in that scene. And Boogie Nights really is, that is actually one of the first DVDs my wife ever bought me. One of the first gifts my wife ever bought me was the Boogie Nights Ultimate two-disc collector set because I rented it, like, every weekend. I would rent that movie every Friday night because it's flawless. I mean, it's like the best Scorsese film Scorsese never made. And... There's that sequence, and it's so great, and it's so organically set in the 70s without seeming gimmicky or shticky. And, um, and it's just you know, that, that, that whole sequence with uh, Dirk going home to his mom, and she like trashes his room after he's there auditioning with You're the other girl. You're not the boss of me! Oh, yeah. <laughs> with that little piece of trash! All right, yeah. excellent. Thank you, Thank sir. You. All right, there you go. You think I don't know what you're doing here with your posters on the wall? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. I'm kind of new to your program. And I hear you sometimes in your opener say, uh, welcome to day 12. Could you explain? Uh, yes, sir. I'm sorry. Sarah's mouthing We somebody. don't have any another scene in correspondence. That's what I'm saying. It. That's why this is an awkward oh, section of time. Okay. That's what that was my whole I thing earlier. I him to later. Okay. About how this is an awkward couple of minutes because we'll break in about two minutes and go to Tim after the, after the break. But mm -hmm. this is an awkward section of time because it's too long to be filled with an email, but too short to really start in a whole other segment. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. You're, you're new to the program, and what? I want to know what you mean when uh, sometimes when you start the show, you say, welcome to day 12. Yes, sir. Uh, that doesn't mean anything in particular, actually. I, uh, as, as I've said, and this is I got to put this on the fact on the website one of these days. There's a Bob and Doug McKenzie Christmas recording that I used to have to play every Christmas like a thousand times as a DJ, and they do. It's Bob and Doug McKenzie doing the twelve days of Christmas. You know, like two turtle doves and three pounds of back bacon. Yeah, and, I've heard whatever, that too. Five golden toques. And when they get to the twelfth day of Christmas. Uh, Bob, I think it is, stops and says, hello, and welcome to day 12. And it just sort of stuck in my head one day, and I just sort of say it. I don't even know why. It's just there. Hey, you're twisted. Yes. Uh, are you Are you spreading the word about this program, sir? Um, I can. So you, wait, <laughs> hold on. So if I had never had this discussion with you, you wouldn't. If I had never had this discussion with you, you would have gone through your whole life never spreading the word. Well, I don't like to talk to people. Well, I can look. Uh, ironically enough, I can understand where you're coming from, my friend. Uh, just for us, though, for me, uh, try to spread the word at least like twice. All right, on the bathroom wall. All right, thank you. Thanks. Hey, we should totally do that. That should be our new organic marketing. <gasps> that is for a good brilliant. time. Call five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Ask for candy. Hi. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, how's it going? What's up? Uh, I just had a random uh, observation for the day. Okay. Don't trust a guy that wears suspenders and a belt. All right. Duly noted. I've written it down. It's going in my life lesson book. The reason, though, is because you can't trust a man that can't trust his own pants. And that was passed to me by a very wise old man. And now, little man, I give the watch to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Two more, and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, two quick observations. I am also a new listener. I picked you up about three or four months ago. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, um Yesterday, I turned on the the news after I got home from work and saw the uh, after two deaths, um, 
in Portland uh, biking. They're yes. uh, putting out a new uh, program or something that they're going to try to stop. But it just said, I just said to myself, how ironic that you had brought that up yesterday about uh, how they're going to, you know, go all out on this, um, you know, and kind of go overboard on everything. And apparently, I was talking to my friend Sneedon last night, uh, Chris Sneedon from OnTheVig.com, and apparently uh, he witnessed a bicyclist get hit by a truck downtown last night. I think, and I think she was okay, uh, but on 4th and Madison, I think downtown, there was a truck came along, whacked some bicycles. But yeah, I'm not trying to, to diminish the issue in any way, but you can tell when a community sort of gets something stuck in its teeth and they just they decide to start going all out on it, yeah. And the other thing is um, about D.B. Cooper. Um, I don't know if you, a local artist, a uh, guy by the name of Todd Snyder, uh, came out with a song, uh, D.B. Cooper, and he actually is from Portland, and he was, talks about how he was seven years old when it happened. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that song, he's like an alternative folk guy, uh, kind of funny and uh, really entertaining. Somebody had mentioned that, but I'd never actually found the song, so I will look it up tonight. It is a really good song to listen to. All right, thank you. Are you spreading the word about the program, sir? I have been, yes. I told my wife about it, and, uh, you know, I've been in, in Vancouver and Portland all my life, so I kind of just tune it into the AM station because of, of work reasons driving around, and uh, I really enjoy it. And, uh, all right. So thanks a lot. Well, thank I appreciate you, you helping me with my day. Thank you so much. All right, uh, one more call. Thank you. I'm sorry, I cut that guy. One more, and then we'll uh, then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, you didn't get what, uh, is it Mark Shearer? Is that your CNN correspondent? Yes. You mentioned the cilia in your ears. Yes. And he said that's the silliest thing I ever heard. Oh. He was being, he was, he oh, was I being see. facetious. I see. He was, it was a play on words. It was Cilia. a play on words. Silliest. Yeah. I got it right away because my mom used to do that stuff all the time. All right. Maybe if I'd seen it written down. Yeah. It just didn't work orally for me. No, I just used it and didn't quite get it, but well, I got I, it right away. Now I feel like an ass. That, you're cool. Don't worry. Right. And I love the program. Thank you. Okay, right, bye. Bye now. We got a break. You're joking, right? What? You. Wait, I'm confused. You knew that. that you I didn't. That, right? No, I didn't catch the pun. Oh, that's I, why I thought you did the silent thing. I didn't, I didn't catch the pun. No, when I said oh. blah, 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 the cilia in my ears, and he said that's the silliest thing I've ever heard, I, I didn't catch the pun. I thought that pun. was why you were editing, because it was a cheesy joke. I was waiting for you to do a no. wah-wah. No, no, no. Uh, he made a pun. I didn't catch it. And so, because I did not catch the pun, I thought he was, uh, I, I thought he was just sort of diminishing my, you know, disregarding my pain. I thought he was just um, dis disregarding my suffering. And when he said, that's the silliest okay, thing I ever heard. Okay, you signals. That's why I was yeah. saying how he didn't get your moment of silence, because it was a, a silly joke. No, I felt he was just sort of saying, like, be a man. <laughs> Shut up about your ears. I thought he was just basically calling me a sissy. And so I just kind of went... Well, that could be true, too. Probably. Maybe it was both. Uh, he's a master of words, Mark Shearer. He's a riddle wrapped in a vest. So anyway, and I just kind of went, well, fine, Mr. Big CNN News Guy. We won't talk about my ears, you jerk. Well, what are you going to do? All right. Back after this, Tim Riley, are you preparing news for us? Yes, yes, it's ready. Fantastic. Back after this, don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. We're never on time. It never vomits at home. Wow. Hi there, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, CNN Radio Correspondent Ed McCarthy about the routing, the pummeling, the unbridled, unmitigated crushing that the Colorado Rockies received last night. Uh, cue pun about blah, 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 rock crusher. Something. Something like that. Anyway, we'll talk to Ed McCarthy about 13 to 1. 
There is something really awful and evil and satisfying and really gratifying about running up the score, though. When you see something like that, you almost got to give it to the other team. You know what I mean? Because I think it's especially in baseball, which is so much America's pastime. I mean, you're ahead by two to one, three to one. When you get to be ahead like nine to one in baseball, where let's be honest, no one comes back from nine to one. Not to, even I know that during a baseball game, you got to sort of admire it that like they they were not effing around. That they were. I mean, in Boston, they were not freaking kidding. Nine to one, not enough. Ten, eleven, twelve. Why you got to wonder if the Colorado guys just. I mean. At what point do you just quit even going to bat? Do you just sort of sit there and weep silently to yourself? Uh, Jim Rube coming up later on as well. Also, Glorious Bastard of the Week. Uh, we'll give away a copy of American Gangster Season 1 and so forth. At the Ministry of Truth, please make way for your personal savior, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Snowball Veneer is going home. A judge has granted that Malala family's petition to get their pet deer back after the cruel Fish and Wildlife Department sent that deer to a deer reserve. End of story. There are no deer reserves. Apparently there's one in Malala. Their house and there's the glue factory. That's it. There is no deer reserve. There is they don't no make glue out of deer. Don't they? No, they make deer out of horses. They make deer out of horses. They make deer out of horses. Yeah, they do make deer out of horses. <laughs> That's fantastic. Why does this veal taste like the black stallion? Uh, all right. Well, they could make. Well, never mind. Let's not list all the things we could make out of deer. That just seems cruel. Yeah, all right, it does. Here's, all right, blah blah blah. Well, another bicyclist has been in an accident colliding with a pickup truck downtown last night. It happened at Southwest Fourth and Southwestern Madison at eight o'clock, and it was the bicyclist's fault. Really? Yes. Bicyclist uh, ran a light. Ran a red light. You know, I have to say, uh, not to be all uppity about my one day of bicycling so far this week, but first of all, did you bicycle today, Sarah? I did not. Okay. I got to tell you, it really was. I'm not trying to be a crybaby about this. It was damn cold out there. It was freezing. I took him up for a walk this morning. I'm like, oh, no way. I had to. I would have been okay. But again, I get that my fingertips and my ears are what get really good. And I, and I, I couldn't find the, the ear cover in my ear muff thing, whatever it is that I wear. But I actually did have to stop because I wear those fingerless gloves. I had to stop by the side of the road and root through all my bags to try to find like my actual fingered gloves because it was just too, because I actually was afraid I wasn't going to be able to break. I was afraid that like I was going to have to stop and my hands weren't going to work and I was going to sail through an intersection and be pasted into the front of a Cadillac, and then I was going to be some Darwin watch here. Like but, a Roadrunner cartoon. But where was I today? I was at, um, I was on like, like Clinton, and I would say about 24th, uh, right, but there's, a, there's the Hammy's Pizza Place, which is right there, mm-hmm. and so forth. Anyway, and there, I, and you know what, and, and we have talked about this, is over the last few years, and especially in light of all the recent bicycle unpleasantness, I have tried not to be this guy. I've tried to make sure that I bicycle uh, and that I respect other people on the road, both cyclists and cars, and some a-hole on a bicycle. I am stopped. In fact, it was at a red light. I am stopped. It must have been further down. I am stopped at a red light, waiting for the light, and what happens? Some uh, jerk just zzz, bicycles right by me. And you know he's not just like a casual bicyclist because he's got the waterproof bag, he's got the helmet, he's got the whatever, right through the red light. And, I mean, it, that really is exactly why people hate bicyclists. So, it, it, and look, and I was on a bike. I myself was on a bicycle, and I was really tempted to bike up next to him with my camera phone, just get a picture and stick it on my website, you know? Like, like, this, we think, like this guy is the problem. So let me encourage you now, and I don't pretend to speak for all bicyclists. I'm speaking only for myself. Quit being such a dick, Jesus. If you see a stoplight, if you see a stop sign, stop. Wait your turn. 
Because every time there's a bicyclist that gets run over and you hear people who are unsympathetic, it is because of you. So just knock it off. Jesus. That's right. <laughs> Ditto. Well, the Burnside Bridge, that was closed and opened and closed again. And then opening it will be closed again. I don't even go there anymore. You know what? It's become a complete non-issue. I cannot remember the last time I even got anywhere near Burnside. When at all possible, I just avoid it. I, until the end of time, I have removed... It's You know what it is? The Burnside Bridge is like an icon in your desktop to which the file has been deleted. And so you click the, they click the, you click the shortcut and it doesn't go anywhere. So I have just removed that off, off my mental desktop. Because what's the point? It's never going to work. It's never going to be operational again. We've all, we all realize that. So F that. Well, the uh, doohickey they wanted to attach to the new whatchamacallit uh, finally came in. And the work will require the, uh, the west lift span to be in the open position. So therefore, it's going to be closed from Friday at 8 o'clock. Till Monday at 6 a.m. So All right. They can fix. Overly long, wacky, kooky names to describe things. Thingamajib. Go. Whatchamacallit? Uh, who's this? What's this? Thingamabob. Er. Do we have to keep going around the room? Till we, run, till we run out? I don't have another one. I don't either. What's it? There's a what's it. That's not very long. No, but I mean, it's, you know, but it's sort of funny. And we're done. Jig? No. <laughs> Worst bit ever. Here's Tim. <laughs> well, honey, trick took a, a ghastly turn for the worse when one member of the hunting family mistook another hunter for a deer and shot him. Uh, let's see. 40 Wait, is he dead? I'm looking here. The other person. Where was this at? Was it here? Oh, it's it, non-life-threatening injuries. Oh, okay. So he can go out and get shot again. And I can make fun of the story, more importantly. Uh-huh. Was it here in Portland? Uh, St. Helens. St. Helens. <laughs> so, um... So he well, mistook... People run around with guns, crazily. So he missed... Uh, who shot who, and how did it happen? Well... Uh, Eric Samuelson of Scapoose was shot through the hand and the hip by a friend. The hunter called 911, and they were able to uh, zero in on their location with cell phone coordinates. So the life-saving cell phone does it again. So did the friend think that did not hear it? or? Well, he thought he looked like a deer. Deer, is that you? I'm sorry to shoot you, deer. It's kind of funny. It's not really laugh-out-loud funny. That sort of smile gently to oneself in one's cubicle it, funny. It's CNN-type humor. <laughs> How sad. Everyone just sits around and wonders if everybody got it. Uh, no one got it. All right, here's Tim Riley. A Springfield couple has been sentenced for a phony investment program they ran on the Internet. Daniel Michael Wheatley was sentenced to serve 41 months in prison. And Sunshine Eloise Mary Simmons, she has four names. I don't trust her. Well, it has to serve six months of home detention. A federal judge has ordered them to pay nearly $125,000 in restitution, and they forfeited their house, their Mercedes, and their Hummer, along with their fine jewelry, furniture, and other items. Where do they live? Eugene. Yeah, I'm sure it was fine furniture. Uh, federal prosecutors say the 34-year-old Wheatley and the 28-year-old uh, uh, Sunshine woman both pled guilty to uh, charges involving a phony high-yield investment program advertised on a website called profits for investing I don't trust any website that has more than one word spelled with a numeral. Mm-hmm. That's just a, that, that, that's what poker players would call a tell right there. That is a little bit of a giveaway. Also, speaking of these people in Eugene and their allegedly fine furniture and jewels that were taken by the man as part of the, uh, the, the comeuppance for being part of this scheme, mm-hmm. do you all get that jewelry channel at your house? Which one? It's like I get several. Oh, the QVC channel. I guess it's like at a certain point at night it flips and they just start selling jewelry or whatever. It's just it's just a bunch of rednecks in a trailer somewhere selling like, and it's with made up jewelry like uh like Labradorium. 
<laughs> make a whole bunch of crap that like doesn't even really exist. Indian jewelry. I in my life. I was thinking about this. In in your life, ever, 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 have you ever seen anything for sale on a jewelry channel that was not unbelievably large and gaudy? Ever. I've never watched the jewelry. Yeah, that's channel. not true. You have never watched the jewelry channel sale. I don't think I. They're know. kind of no. strangely fascinating. They it's are. Like, they're they're completely hypnotic, just like any kind of shopping network. And they're kind sort of, of relaxing in a weird way. Yeah. Well, they're not all of them are huge, but they're all sparkly. They're all sparkly and gaudy. There's mm-hmm. a lot of tackiness going on there, uh, and and really exorbitantly priced. And it is fascinating. It is kind of a weird sort of art to be able to take what is essentially. A, you know, because it's it's all, and you can tell because the names of the types of gems always have little like trademark symbols next to them. So you can tell it's some crap that they've just made up. That you know that it's basically a polished jujube that they're trying to sell you for like three easy payments of eighty nine ninety nine. And it is amazing to see how many different ways this sort of buck guy who is selling you the jewelry can feign sort of like excitement at the at the, the low low price at which he is being empowered to offer it to you, the consumer. And he'll do, and it's always in a southern accent, so I'm not just doing it to be wacky, but it's always a lot of like, and you are not, am I reading this right on the screen, Carol? Because that didn't look like it can be right to me. Well, folks, you are not going to believe this. Now, they, I didn't think this was right. I saw this on the screen, and I thought, (laughs) because, I'll tell you, I've been here uh, at the Jewelry Network for about, uh, I'd say probably 12 years now, and, you know, we see a lot of stones. Uh, We see them uh, come and go. And right, look at that. Look at the way the light uh, just, you, you know, you put this in a real nice setting. Can we get a close-up on that, Carl? <laughs> we, we, let's, just, let's just zoom right in there, Carl, and so if you're, the detail. Object, if you want something, uh, you, you're, whether you are addressing uh, for a social event or, or just casually, you know, you look look at the light and just how it catches in there. That is beautiful. It's beautiful. You, <laughs> oh, that makes my skin crawl. You are really good at that. I sense another, I sense a backup career. Oh, Jesus, it hurts. Can you see how in the different light it changes from one color to the other? Uh, see that? See that right there? Yeah, uh, uh, I'm going to, Carl, Carl, uh, work with me. Uh, Go to a little let. Now see how it turns that beautiful topaz? And then and then they've got the countdown clock. Go, 28, 27, 26, 25. And then I start feeling like you I have to call. You start panicky. There's only three left, you know. If I, this is another reason I. Revolution in jewelry shopping. Imagine your favorite jewelry at prices you always wanted. Now it really can happen. Instead of buying, you can bid with prices that keep on dropping. Find out where your jewelry comes from, how it is made, and then watch the price go down in our exciting drop auction, where everybody pays the lowest price. Yeah, all right. The Jewelry Channel. Make life sparkle. (laughs) (laughs) This is another reason why I do not take drugs of any kind. Because if I was sitting in the living room with my credit card and a phone handy and high, you start to look at that and it's like five left, four left, three left. Okay, these final two we will sell for one payment of $109. You're like, I gotta have it. My friend once drunkenly ordered every single um, compilation that they had of monster ballads. Fantastic. And when I got them all in the big package, yep. Didn't realize you did. And we had a monster ballads party. Of course you did. Yeah. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. That sounds interesting. You named a star after me? Good evening. You're watching the Jewelry Channel, and welcome to Late Night Madness. The madness it will be. We've got lots of uh, stunning items coming your way. It doesn't sound anything like the normal people they have on there. We'll be rewarding you as well with some wonderful prizes. Have we got Tanzanite for you? Tanzanite. Tanzanite. You as well. I'm sure there'll be some diamonds there. Have a look at those. They'll be they'll be coming up uh, in the next hour. Possibly some lemon quartz for you as well. All right. 
Let's, uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. That makes me shudder. Hello. Hi, sir. Hello. Hey. Uh, I wanted to add Wiz Gizzitter to the list. But, uh, anyway, uh, about okay. the bicycle thing, though. Uh, interesting story. I was on the road, and a guy blew through a stop sign. Right. I ended up actually being able to catch up to him. I wasn't, like, speeding or anything, but I, in traffic, I caught up to him. And, uh, I wanted to make a point of, uh, something or other, and... Ended up making an ass out of myself running up on a curb, but... <laughs> okay, can I just say this? I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at you, but there's nothing more embarrassing than when you're really trying to make a strong, assertive point, and like, look, I'm going to tell you a thing or two, and then you trip and you fall into a mailbox, you know, what exactly. you're doing. That's the best, worst thing ever. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, he ended up coming up and asked me if uh, if I was in too much of a hurry to drive fast or to drive uh, well. Of course. Excuse me. And then uh, I was at so just fuming at that point that I couldn't come up with anything good to say, you know, and it's always like that. Yes, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> okay, thanks. Hope you feel better. Thank you. All right, there you go. Just sort of a release bell. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, it's Peter. Yay. I have a question that I know you, aren't, you guys are going to know the answer to, but I felt compelled to call anyway. Wait, hold on. Let me stop. You think we're not going to know the answer, or you think we will? I, I think that no one will know the answer to this, and that's why I'm so frustrated by it. And yet, okay, go ahead. So when you get placed under house arrest, the whole deal is obviously you can't leave your house. Right, yeah, I think you have to stay there. So I live in an apartment, and I pay my rent month to month. I would not be able to afford to pay my rent next month if I didn't, wasn't able to leave my house to work. So I'm placed under house arrest for like three months. What the hell am I supposed to do? Well, this is a good question. Now, Sarah, uh, we have no way of knowing this, of course, but theoretically speaking, if someone were employed in the media and were placed oh, yeah. under house arrest, uh, uh, do they have to stay at home? Does someone have to cover for them? Do you know, Sarah? Well, um, I mean, if I you were to some, guess, if I just had to kind of guess, and perhaps this person just happened to get themselves thrown in jail for eight days for maybe, you know, being convicted of a DUI or something. It's part of their rock and roll lifestyle. Exactly. Well, um, somebody else, some lucky person gets to cover their shift. Therefore, I guess the person doesn't make I, any money. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I really don't know the answer to that. It's sort of an interesting question. I mean, it, because, frankly, as I think as he, Eddie Izzard once made this observation, that I mean, I know a lot of people who'd love to be under house arrest, you know? What do you do? Stay here and watch videos. Okay. Done and done. So, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's like... My suspicion is, and I really don't know the answer, but my suspicion is they fit you with one of those like low jack things, and you have to go to work, but then you have to go right home afterward. That would be my guess. To, to me, the, the thing that frustrates me is it's probably just a very, very simple answer. Like, they ask you during the sentencing, like, if you will be able to afford that, and then that's an option. Like, if you can't afford it, then, then house arrest isn't an option for you. Like, that's probably the answer, but... I'm going to be frustrated by it all day. Uh, yeah, so you're not planning to be under house arrest? Are you arrest? going it's to be under house arrest? just something you're wondering no, no, about. I, I, I just popped into my head, and I'm going to be obsessing over it Well, somebody will I answer. Put your rent money aside ahead of time. Yes, I, sir, you should <laughs> Everyone have, needs to have a fund. You need to have six months' uh, salary in the bank at all times anyway, sir. That does make a good point. I just think I'm going to start my house arrest savings at this point. Fantastic. Be putting, it, putting a little something away for incarceration today. Exactly. Right, thank you. There your you landlord's needs always come first. That <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. Anyway, here's another. <laughs> Guess what's wrong right now? What's wrong? I think you're actually your microphone. Actually, is on. your microphone is off. Oh, here we go. Down here. There we go. And it's just a nice piece where you can wear with a shirt, a suit, and you know you can wear it around your jean 
in, into the mm -hmm. area of your in the belt loops. In your belt loops, yes. And I'm Wait. creating my own. Hold on. <laughs> Stop this for a second. Is this a celebrity on the Jewelry Channel? Mm-hmm. Okay, is it Anna Nicole Smith? Mm -mm. Okay, hold on. So, play this from the beginning. Funny how I just instinctively knew what we were listening to. So, the, the audio Tim has, it is this is uh, the Jewelry Channel featuring a celebrity talking about her jewelry. Mm -hmm. I swear I'm over here. I am here. And it's just a nice piece where you can wear with a shirt, a suit, and, you know, you can wear it around your jean in, into the mm -hmm. area of your in the belt loops, in your belt loops, yeah. Into oh, the area. I'm my own. <laughs> okay. Woo. All right. Pause it there. Hi. Um, it's not Anna Nicole. Mm -mm. Is it Jessica Simpson? No. Sarah, do you have anybody? Do you? Do you I think I, it's a um, something bear. What's her name from The View? No. Joy Behar. Yeah. No, Behar. it's not Joy Behar. Uh, all right. Can you can you play that section once more? I swear I'm over here. I am here. And it's just a nice Perk? piece where you can wear it with a mm -hmm. shirt, a suit. The dumb one. And, you know, you can wear it around your jean in, into the mm -hmm. area of your... In the belt loops? In your belt loops, yeah. And I'm creating my own... <laughs> <laughs> it's that chick that you really like that Ooh. has a sister. Hi! Yeah, thanks for narrowing it down. I've got the round, round, round oh, face. Oh, round face. All right. So, all right. Oh, really? Okay, pause oh, it there for a my second. My hair's pulled back. Mm -hmm. Looks like a pumpkin. Uh -huh. <laughs> I have no idea. Don't don't tell us, actually. Don't give it away. We're almost to the end. Ten more seconds. Does she reveal who she is at any point, do you think? She might. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I know who Everything that you see, mm -hmm. you've all worn me. You've all worn me. Things. Mm -hmm. You've all seen me wearing yeah. that jewelry. And Paula Abdul. Jewelry. Yes. Okay. Oh, damn it. I was going to go Jennifer Tilly. No, 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 no. Paula Abdul. Okay, now that we know it's Paula Abdul, can you play it once more from the beginning? This is Paula Abdul on the Jewelry Channel, apparently. I swear I'm over here. I am here. And it's just a nice piece where you can wear it with a shirt, a suit, and you know you can wear it around your jean in, into the mm -hmm. area of your in the belt loops. In your belt loops, yeah. And ah. I'm creating my own. Uh, <laughs> I can wear it in your area. Ooh. Hi, everybody! It's my anniversary. I've got the round, round, round oh, face. A round face. No, you don't. Oh, I really? Oh my God! If my hair is pulled back, mm -hmm. it looks like a pumpkin. Uh -huh. It's her anniversary. Does that mean she gets a 90-day coin? You've all worn me. You've all seen me wearing that jewelry. That's wonderful. Fantastic. Uh, all right. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, we have uh, house arrest uh, answers here. Who wants to find out about house arrest? Oh, I do. I. Peter, I hope you appreciate the work we put in for you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Yeah, yes. it's me. <laughs> yes, it is, sir. Yeah, I know what happens when you can't afford house arrest. Okay, so if they give you house arrest, what happens if you can't pay your rent? They have this place called jail. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about that. I wonder if that is true. Yes, it is. But, I mean, that doesn't even... That sucks, though, because then if you go to jail because you're under house arrest and can't go to work, can't pay your rent, and you are living paycheck to paycheck, what happens when you get out of jail? Um, no choice but to rob a liquor store. Wander around the streets and, yeah, rob a liquor store or whatever. Go wander around town and set fire to other homeless people? Yeah. Yeah. All Something right. like that. Thank you. Okay. Bye now. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I got another answer about the house arrest. All right, go ahead. Um, they actually let you go to work. So in Oregon, they, in Oregon, they do let you go to work. Because somebody yeah, said absolutely. that in other states, they do not. Well, Oregon, I know for a fact, goes to work. I had a friend of mine who got in trouble. And uh, 
he was on house arrest for like almost two years. And all he could do was work or home. Okay. So he worked a lot. All right. So if you're under house arrest, you can go to work in Oregon. In in other states, you can, but it's different here. Huh. Yeah, Oregon lets you go to work. I don't know about Washington, but I know that Oregon will let you go to work. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Bye now. All right. There we go. We have the answer. Ta-da! So you have to wear, like, the fancy little ankle bricks well, thing? You know, it's amazing how many people uh, we have. Listen to this. This is one call after another. People let us know all about house arrest. This is either great or disturbing or quite possibly a combination of both. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, house arrest person. Yeah, hi, is this Emma? I'm going to let you puzzle that one out for yourself. <laughs> I know, I know. I did what every other caller does, and I swear I would yeah. never do that. Yes, and yet uh, behold. All right, what's up, Emma? Uh, my father actually owned a house arrest business back in Anchorage, Alaska, where I grew up. And the way that it works is, at least in Anchorage, you have to get approval by the courts. And if you have a type of crime where you have restitution that you need to pay, like white-collar felony check writing or whatever, they um, like the house arrest, and you, but you do have to be able to pay for the service, and then you are able to go to work. Oh, so they bill you for it. Oh, yeah. The, the government usually doesn't pay for it. That's why they say when they actually ask if you can afford it. I hadn't really thought about that. Out. That's like, um, you know, that's like sometimes like, if it's like, you know what it is? Here's the, I can relate everything to television. This is like on The Sopranos, and Johnny Sacramone gets out of prison to go to see his daughter's wedding, but they make him pay for his own security. When he does it, yep, exactly, exactly really, like Johnny Sack. Uh, yeah, it's really a popular service for people who you know are against us having to pay for people going to jail and a right. bed and food and all that, especially for like white collar crimes. Fantastic. All right, thank you, Emma. No problem. All right, there you go. That's uh, Emma. That was her. Here's Tim Riley. So anyway, a Paris Hilton wants to be frozen with her pets when she dies. The hotel heiress is keen on living forever and has invested a large sum of money in the world's largest suspended animation cemetery, Cryonics Institute. Isn't this where uh, that baseball player has his head in the bat and the rest of them in another one? Uh, what was uh, Ted... Uh, Williams, isn't it? Ted Williams, yes. This is in Arizona? You know, I know somebody who was mummified. Oh, who is Really? It? Yeah, I know a woman who was mummified. Uh, mummified, at, she was a radio person, actually. I don't. I shouldn't use her full name. Her name was... Um, I will get, uh, her first name is Kay. Uh, I worked with a, a woman I knew, uh, uh, and this was uh, when I lived in another state, we'll say. I worked with a woman in radio whose name was Kay, and when she died, it's not really freezing, not the same thing, but it's the same deal, sort of. It's a, it's a variation on the same theme. When she died, she was mummified, and not like in the traditional Egyptian way, but I mean that they sort of, they, they, they put her in a thing, and they packed it with uh, chemicals and whatever, and then they sealed her in like a bronze you know, like a tube, basically. Uh, and so, so they didn't they, take out all of her insides through her nose. No, they didn't. Fr no, they didn't freeze her. Uh, but they did sort of submerge her in chemicals and then sealed her in a bronze tube. And then she's in like a holding facility. So it is sort of a room temperature version of cryonics. It's done with chemicals, not with freezing, uh, because the, the whole thing that they believe she believes that someday because she died of cancer, and the whole thing is they believe at some point or she believed they'll be able to cure the cancer, and so they'll take her and wring her out and cure the cancer, and then she'll be alive again. So. It's kind of a weird thing. So Paris Hilton wants to be what? Frozen? Uh, yeah, along with their uh, uh, dog Tinkerbell and new uh, dog Cinderella. Do you suppose Tinkerbell and Cinderella get a vote on this? Or they, <laughs> as soon as she runs through a red light, they just take them out back and put them down behind the barn? Gee, I don't know. Okay. Uh, she says it's so cool. Almost all the cells in the body are still alive when death is pronounced. She's very smart. And if you're immediately cool, you can be perfectly preserved. My life could be extended or hundreds of thousands of years, and who would want her? <laughs> oh, oh, hundreds of thousands of years. 
That's fantastic. Someone has misread the handbook. Someone is really, someone has uh, has skipped a couple of pages in that what can cryonics do for you brochure they give you. Of years. I don't really you imagine it. nonstop publicity for hundreds of thousands of years. Can you also mount her head on a giant cyborg body that roams the countryside killing peasants? Well, she says her partying lifestyle has let, let her feel empty inside. Uh, she's now determined to turn her life around and do worthy things. Oh, yeah, she was. she's planning to visit Rwanda. I thought she was planning to visit the... Wasn't she planning to visit uh, Africa the, the months ago when she got out of jail? Yeah, but she was afraid to go at first. But because but, Rwanda's a much safer place. But then she pitched a reality show for it, and she's okay. <laughs> it's parachute right into there. And once again, she says she felt empty inside. Okay. So that's why... So I guess they taught her that sentence to use after anything she says. Uh, she wants to leave a mark on the world. In her head, there's just some sort of a uh, some sort of a soundboard. So Paris, uh, how are you feeling? I feel empty inside. You know, well, what are you going to do now? I'm going to Rwanda to help children. I wish to be frozen for hundreds of thousands of years. Excellent. What would we do without her? All right. So uh, that Vancouver transient. Uh, charged with shooting and killing a Vancouver police dog, could go to prison for life under that state's three strikes law. Wait, he shot a police dog? Yeah, he looks like Charles Manson, too. Hold on, let me look. I don't have his picture here. I had it earlier this week. I don't have it now. Well, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, he looks like Charles Manson. Uh, so anyway, uh, they sent in three dogs after him, and uh, he shot one of the dogs. Which is bad because, like, shooting a police officer. Oh, no, that's exactly the same as shooting a police officer. Yeah. And I will tell you this, I will get in... Look, let's just... Well, he has an extensive uh, criminal history going back to 1986, so... I am not advocating police brutality, except I am advocating police brutality. Uh, you I know... people like this. Oh, no, you know, you know they lit his ass up as soon as they caught him. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, you, look, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, we're all biased here because we're all dog lovers. Mm -hmm. But as much as we love our dogs, I mean, you know that a cop who has a dog assigned to him... You and somebody shot that. You know Hello, that they Turner and Hooch. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna go with the canine, but yeah, okay. I was gonna go the Jim Belushi way. I have one that lives in my neighborhood. Oh man, I can't. I mean, I don't mean to be all overly maudlin about it, but I can't even imagine what the relationship is like between a police dog and and you know then the officer that is with him. Because you know that is very much those dogs do quite literally save your life sometimes because they're you know they see a guy with a gun and they take him down and they whatever. So you know that they just beat that guy until his bones were dust. And God bless you for doing it, officers. We uh, especially after you said he wanted to kill a cop. Yeah, I mean, so no. yeah, f that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm. I know that I'm supposed and to torture be, him every day. I'm not saying the police beat him, but I'm saying, come on, of course the police beat him as they should have. Mm -hmm. You should have beaten him senseless. Should have beaten the holy f out of him. <laughs> so, and if you want to do it now, I swear to God, I will alibi for you. I am making this open uh, offer to any and all police officers involved in this case. If you would like to go beat him now, and you maybe didn't get your licks in earlier, I will I will produce tickets uh, proving that we, vehicle that we were at the film the films together. We were at the theater together, you and I, officer. And uh, I will be your alibi on the stand while you go and uh, rough him up. All right, we should take a break here. Back after this, uh, we've got more coming up, including Ed McCarthy, who is in Boston. Uh, we got the CNN radio correspondent, James Roop, joining us later. Top five, more of your phone calls, glorious bastard of the week, and so forth. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Hi, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's... 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on. Uh, what the hell is coming up later on? CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy will join us. James Roop, the top five and so forth. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. No, don't worry about that glow-in-the-dark seafood. 
The U.S. Food and Drink Administration says it's not concern. Shoppers in the West Seattle area have reported their shrimp are glowing in the dark. The Environmental Protection Agency says it's also received reports of king salmon glowing in the dark in the Columbia River near Hanford. <laughs> now, the really? FDA says it will not investigate these episodes because there's no evidence that glow-in-the-dark food poses a health hazard. Once again, uh, the FDA you, will not investigate the glow-in-the-dark food <laughs> because there's no evidence <laughs> that it poses a health hazard. Will you just do me a favor and read that story again from the beginning? Just start at the top. Just read that story once more, just, just from go. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration says it's not concerned of reports at West Seattle stores that shrimp are glowing in the dark. Now, okay. The Environmental what? Protection Agency has also received reports of king salmon glowing in the dark in the Columbia River near Hanford. Are you insane? Not you, but I mean... I know I am. <laughs> Why would I do this every day? Are you... Yes? I... 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 There is no evidence. I don't even know what to say. There is no evidence that glow-in-the-dark food poses a health hazard. Therefore, the FDA will... Why would it be glowing in the... Why... <clears throat> Why would it be glowing in the dark? This salmon near Hanford. Fun. Near the Hanford nuclear facility. Yes, it's because you can't get your kids to eat it. Right. <laughs> What's that? Can't get your children to eat salmon. What about glow-in-the-dark salmon? This will be right up there with, like, that green mustard and carbonated milk that they were trying to... No, what is it? Green ketchup. Remember when Heinz tried to market green ketchup about two years ago? Yes. Um, and it was in, like, in a weird upside-down squeezy bottle thing? So we had green ketchup, and we had... Uh, and we have carbonated milk, and now we have glow-in-the-dark salmon. Where is this happening? I mean, wh where where can you go buy this glow-in-the-dark seafood? Uh, let's see. You may buy it at uh, Wallingford QFC in West Seattle Thriftway so far. But I'm sure there'll be others. But, but I mean, catches on. But, I mean, how did they discover the salmon? Well, people reported it glowing it in the dark. How would you even... Where... They were cooking in the dark, apparently. I was just going to say, this story is so full well, of things, maybe, I can't even get my brain around arrived, it. They arrived home with their groceries in the dark, and so it glowing from the bag. <sighs> Can you imagine getting home, and you bought a salmon at the store, and the salmon is glowing in the dark? And hello, the fact that the salmon came from outside the Hanford Nuclear Facility. That can't be real. Can I see that? Sure. I only read real things. This is from... Despite recent discoveries of glow-in-the-dark seafood purchased from local grocers, the U.S. FDA said it's not concerned. No. Shoppers of the QFC in West Seattle Thriftway have reported their shrimp were glowing in the dark. Mm-hmm. The Environmental Protection Agency says it has also received reports of salmon glowing in the Columbia River near the Hanford Nuclear Reservation. You know, I always make fun of my hometown, and I make these jokes, and people always think that I am kidding. People think that I am being kooky or I am being comedically exaggerative. Because, um, you know, there's like that thing in The Simpsons where there's always the three-eyed fish, which is based on crap in the Columbia River where I grew up. But those fish didn't glow like this. The FDA said, no, they've made significant advances since simply adding 33% more eyes. The FDA says it will not investigate this because there's no evidence. Who wants to spot the logical fallacy in this statement? Well, it is the government. They will not investigate this glowing fish because there is no evidence that glow-in-the-dark seafood poses a health threat. Who can spot the logical inconsistency in this? Well, it's the government. Uh, I mean, They will not investigate glow-in-the-dark shrimp and salmon outside the Hanford Nuclear Facility because there's no evidence that glow-in-the-dark food poses a health threat, which they will not know because they're not going to investigate it. I would think that, you know, what is that thing called? Common sense will tell you 
What if you just went to the taco time and they just gave you a glow-in-the-dark taco? I mean, okay. I, I wish we lived in Seattle so we could get some. I mean, more than anything right now, I wish I lived in Seattle. You know, I'm going to find somebody from Seattle and I'm going to have them bring me some glow-in-the-dark seafood. I think we had someone to start here from there. <laughs> That's entirely possible. Tim, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hey, I wanted to say that was funny that you mentioned the police brutality on the uh, guy that shot the dog. Because they actually showed that guy. I thought the same thing. Tell me I, he was. For, tell me he was covered in lesions oh, and bruises. No, he was on a stretcher getting into oh. an ambulance, covered with a blanket like he was dead. <laughs> well, they didn't even want the news reporters to see his face. Fantastic. So Good for them. Really. Again, let's be honest here. There are there are times in this world. Uh, as I said, I've said this before. You know, the, really, the problem with police brutality is that they they always do it. Look, everybody in this country who has a run-in with the cops is either beaten too much or not beaten enough. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. You know, they always do seem to get it wrong. The guys who really don't need to be beaten, those are the ones that the uh, you know the New York City Police Department are sodomizing with a broomstick somewhere and shooting 81 times. <laughs> Meanwhile, the guys who get it coming, they're the ones that you know. There's always you know somebody there screaming about their so-called rights. And then they never get pummeled. So it's well, good to see that homeless. Nobody cared. Oh, that's so. what I'm saying. So maybe in this case, the guy finally did get a good bone breaking going on. Excellent. Exactly. Thank you. And Tim Riley, you're the best. Why, thank, thank you. you. Nice okay. drive to be. Awesome. Thank you, Christy. You're, you're, you're both the best in the worst news, and I mean the worst in the most endearing way. God bless you. You're a good person, Christy. Yes, are I you, love you, Tim. Are you spreading? You. Try to find that on KEX. Yeah. Are you, <laughs> are you spreading the word about, uh, well, I guess about Tim? Absolutely. Since apparently Everywhere. I am just an adjunct to Tim. I am simply a servant's quarters to Tim's main house. I, I, I love Tim Riley. He's my favorite. <laughs> Better Thank than you. the onion. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just go away now. Bye now. Okay. Bye. Yeah, it's okay. Thanks. No, no. I gave her a perfect opening to compliment me there. Mm. I, gave, I laid it all out for her. Hey, at least you existed. <laughs> oh. oh. We're sorry. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hi. <laughs> hey, I had a question about uh, Kissology 2. Uh, Kissology 2, yes, which we were giving away just a few short weeks ago on this very fine uh, radio program. Yes. Well, I like to think I know a lot about Kiss, but I couldn't answer half the questions you asked. So. Well, what, uh, what's your question? Hey, I just, anyway, I wanted to know, is that a lot about the non-makeup years? Uh, it covers 1978, I believe, through 1980. Five, I think I could be wrong about that. Um, I know it covers the unmasking. Uh, it covers like the uh, you know the, the unmasking era, and then it covers like uh, the Crazy Nights era and right. um, Animalize that kind of stuff. So it is as they transition to sort of a glossier sort of power pop, uh, not power pop, you know, kind of a pop metal band in the '80s. It right. does cover that. It's a lot of the Vinnie Vincent stuff. Well, I watched. Uh, I got the Cosology one, and. If Gene Simmons has learned every penny that guy ever made. Uh, the Kissology, every, yeah. Every show he ever did, he, can, he gets it as all. Oh, no, he plays every, you know, the thing is about, the great thing about Kiss, uh, early in the early days when they were playing in New York to 15 people, they played every show like it was the L.A. Forum. Yep. And, I got and you know, of course, even sort of in the late 80s, early 90s, when there was a little bit of a downturn before the reunion, right. you know, you'd, you'd go to see Kiss, you know, in the makeup-free era, like on the Revenge Tour or the Hot right. in the Shade Tour. You know, there's maybe a couple, you know, a couple thousand people that shows up to see them. Certainly nothing to complain about, but a far cry from the 80s, 70s when it was pandemonium, and they still played every single show like it was New Year's Eve, so...
Yeah, I found in 77, and their opening act was Cheap Trick, who I never heard of at the time. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, on like the Love Gun tour, yeah, I think. It cost uh, $7.50 to see him. Ah, yeah. See, and was... then uh, in the night, was it 96, when they did the reunion tour, I took my son to see them, and it was uh, the exact same show. And it cost like forty nine dollars. Of course. Well, so, you know, welcome to Gene Simmons' world, my friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, also, I'm uh, headed back from Doctor Nabelsky's office right now. All the uh, uh, medical hair restoration. Yes. Yeah, I, I just uh, did that yesterday. Did you have now? Was it? Did you go for the consultant? Or did you go to the actual procedure yesterday? I did the whole deal. So you have Valium in your hand right now. So you are happy. Damn straight. Exactly. Yes, Fantastic. Well, I hope things work out well for you. It was uh, was it not a completely, uh, totally painless and easy procedure? It was. It was awesome. I, uh, you know, I brought your name up with him, and he told me to ask you about when he turned you away. Oh yeah, that's actually this is and and we and then I and I apologize. We have to skedaddle here in a second because we we got to get back to Tim. But I will say this, yeah, very very quickly, and I'm not trying to, to turn it into a whole shill fest. But I will say, um, people have asked me about the medical hair restoration, which I did. Not not ashamed of that. I'm very open about that. It worked good. I did. It, it did. Uh, in fact, we just passed. I wasn't even going to mention it, but this is a perfect opportunity. Actually, just last week was my one year anniversary of getting it done. I got it done on Friday the 13th uh, last right year. Um, and so just to uh, and I. I will say this. Okay, since we're just going to do this. And since apparently what with Christie's unremitting love of Tim Riley, it apparently is just I'm it is, it is now just it is kick it is kick Rick Emerson in the knees day apparently on the Rick Emerson show. So, we will say that I went uh to meet with Dr. Nabalski a couple weeks ago uh for my one year uh review and he showed me the before and after. And the thing is, and it takes, I mean, I'm not going to lie about it and he'll tell you this. If you go to get the cuz people have asked me about the hair uh, the hair uh, transplant and it's not you know, it's not like some uh, some like hair club for men where they're like gluing a thing to your head. I mean, it's like they transplant one follicle at a time over a whole day, and yeah. it takes. And because they're not, you know, because it is transplanting follicles, it takes like six, eight, nine months for it to really show up. And you see, you look at yourself every day in the mirror, and you don't really see the change because it's so gradual. Right. I have to tell you this. I sit down on the chair, and the guy he says, "Oh, uh, Rick, it's been one year. How do you feel about the results from your, uh, you know, from the medical hair restoration?" And I said, "Well, I feel pretty good. I, you know, I, I don't know. I can't really tell. I kind of see myself. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really sure about it." And so he holds up a mirror, you know, that is sort of angled so I can see the top right. of my head, like now. And then on the computer screen in front of me, like this 19-inch computer screen, he puts a photo of me last year before I got it done. Uh-huh. Boy, goddamn, no one told me that I was going bald. Everybody just, <laughs> you did, I just, I, I don't know what kind of weird, crazy world I was living in where I somehow thought that I was just thinning. Like I just, yeah. I, if you had asked me 18 months ago, I would have gone, well, I'm, you know, thinning out a little on top as I age, but I still got a full head of hair. That was. Yeah, that too. was that was just delusion that I was suffering from there. And Sarah started nodding to herself right here. God, God bless you all for being uh, you know polite to me at well, that time of my life. I got you to cut it because it looked even worse than it was longer oh, and balding. Why did no one tell me? Why did no one pull me aside and say you you have no hair? You. Well, <laughs> this, you know the thing that got me the cost was seemed a little prohibitive, but after sitting there and how they went about it. I understand exactly why Dude. it costs what it costs because Dude, I, uh, it works. You get hair. Yeah, it's, I can, it's a procedure. It's I can yeah. I cannot speak highly enough. So yeah, they actually the first time I went in and sat down with the guy, he actually he actually said, "Well, take six months and think think about it." And that was the thing yeah. that impressed me. So all right, anyway, I'm glad you did it. Thanks for mentioning our name, and uh, always good to talk to a fellow Kiss fan. Thank you, my friend. Right on. All right, thank you, sir. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, this is Gene Simmons. And this is Paul Stanley, and you're listening to The Rick Emerson Show, and there's no doubt you're a card-carrying member of the Mighty Kiss Army. Yeah. All right.
Uh, anywho, well, there you go. That turned into a nice little plug. Somebody yeah. needs to be uh, Paul Halama. <laughs> nice little plug. Please do. Please to be excerpting that. Send that up to the uh, the medical hair restoration folks. Yeah, boy, I just uh, yeah, I was living in a whole world of self deceit there for a long time. I think it's all very unpleasant. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, the former head of the Long Island Company that supplied a large percentage of the body armor for U.S. soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan has been arrested in his Manhattan apartment. David Brooks has been indicted on charges. He looted DHB Industries to pay for lavish personal expenses, such as a facelift for his wife and a $10 million, $10 million bat mitzvah for her, his daughter. He secretly underwrote his expenses and artificially inflated the value of his stock. He faces charges of security fraud, insider trading, obstruction of justice, and tax evasion. Time to talk about the California fires. Okay. The most interesting part about this is it affects the production of the program 24 starring Keeper Sutherland. Now they can't film two days at the Marine Corps Air Station in El Toro due to the fact that the cast and crew suffered blurry eyes and had difficulty breathing. Then, for the police drama Cold Case, a CBS program, their sets in Simi Valley blew down due to the strong winds. You know, uh, you know who else was affected by that was some of the CBS radio stations. Uh, I know we in uh, not so much because of the fire. We were having a meeting about this this morning. They were talking about the fire. And I guess this wasn't. I guess the fire didn't really affect CBS radio this much. I guess that was last time. Last time it burned everything down. My friend's little sister was evacuated from her dorm room. Well, you listen to uh, man. You listen to Lycus, and every day he's talking about you know everybody he knows, everybody around him. It's like what is it, like a million people or something. They're having to get out of their homes. I guess those winds, though, and in Vegas, Santa too, Anna Santa Ana winds, I guess, I guess in, I shouldn't laugh, but I mean, I guess you don't really think about, you, you think about the fire so much, but you kind of forget about the fact that just enough wind can push something over. Mm-hmm. In Riverside, I guess it was all kinds of trouble from the wind, yeah. uh, and all the way into Vegas, so yeah, it's a bad scene. So there are fires everywhere, and the bad part about this is many of them are being set. Who would do such a thing? Well, arson profiler Marcel Dupuis says a small percentage of crazy people are obsessed with starting fires. Most males play with matches when they're young. Most individuals (laughs) will give up that curiosity. There is a small percentage of people who continue with that interest, that fascination, as it tends to piggyback with other psychological issues. Arson is up and set fires in conjunction with other crimes. Anger, uh, revenge, various kinds of obsessional disorders, antisocial behaviors. It's like he's in my and head. So you'll see criminals who set fires as part of burglaries, that type of thing. All right. Well, so I think everybody, and some, not a few girls, by the way. This is, they treated as mostly a male thing, but I think a lot of girls. girls don't set fire. No, that's not true. I'll guarantee you, Sarah used to set a fire or two. You used to set a fire. You used to play with fire when you were a kid, didn't you? No. You never, like, had hairspray and a cigarette lighter and you do a little makeshift uh, blowtorch with it at all? Set fire to ants. I thought that was you that had told me you'd done that. No. That every now and again that you would, uh, you know, play with fire. You play with fire because, and the reason, the reason it sort of stuck with me, and maybe I guess it stuck with me incorrectly because I thought it was you that told me this. I actually never did because I was so terrified of it. Uh, my my grandfather was a firefighter, and so just pounded into me never to play with fire. I mean, just like if I had ever been caught playing with matches as a kid, they would have beaten me to death. I mean, they would have kicked me off a cliff. So I never did that, but i got to tell you, every guy friend of mine, every boy ever, except for me, growing up at the age of 7, 8, 9, 10, at some point when you're talking to him, know that he's got a few small fires burning somewhere that he's got to tend to every now and again. And I thought it was you uh, that had told me that, but I... 
No, I was the same as you. I didn't like to play. Fire kind of freaked me out. Might have been Joni. Somebody. Probably Joni. I had some female tell me, she's like, oh, I used to set fires all the time. It was fascinating. So it is. Joni or Jolie. Uh, that's, it might be her, actually. I could see Jolie doing that. Yeah. Anyway, but it, fire is just creepy and terrifying. And actually, I was just so weirded out by it as a kid that I never did that. But goddamn, I'd go over to my friend Brian's house, and he actually would... I, I don't even really know where he is these days. It's entirely possible that he's on the run. He's on the run in Escondido. Um... But he actually would burn so many fires just to amuse himself, which now that I think about it and say it out loud is really deeply disturbing because I think he was doing it up to like 14. Um, he actually had like a box underneath his bed, which was sort of the disposal box because he would go through so many aerosol bottles of hairspray. And he would just sort of sit in the back, you know, like I'd call him up, you know, you know what, hi, what are you doing today? You want to hang out or, you know, whatever, go to a movie or whatever I did when I was 13. Well, I'm. Just going to be burning some things today, so if you want to come over, we can make a day of it. Well, all right. Do you have Kool-Aid? And I would go over, and he'd be in the back with his mom's Aquanet, which disappeared at an astonishing rate, and a big lighter, just, you know, playing Cambodia in the backyard. Well, all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I just called back to the uh, glow-in-the-dark seafood. Uh, yes. That's actually a naturally occurring bacteria that just lives out in the ocean. Don't, don't, you, mean, the... don't you mean sea in the dark food? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Don't mock but, me, uh, sir. When, they, when the shrimp and the, the salmon consume stuff that they've eaten that or they eat it themselves. Yes, it's called consuming radiation. Yes, well, it's... it's not radiation. It's just a naturally occurring they oh, phos- look it up phosphorescent bacteria. That's, that's just what it naturally there, there are no... Okay. No. Do you ever watch, you ever watch an ocean program? I'm sorry? Look at all the things down in the water that just glow in the dark because that's what they do. I understand that. Okay, there's no need to be snotty about it, sir. I understand that there are things in the deep recesses of the ocean, typically where there is no sunshine, by the way, and where they are required to manufacture their own phosphorescence for either illumination to see the surroundings or to allure in prey. I don't know that salmon are really known, especially, by the way, outside the Hanford Nuclear Reservation. I don't know that salmon are typically known to just naturally glow in the dark. That doesn't happen. That's it. They try to eat the shrimp, though. The shrimp are what goes all over the ocean, up and down. And that mm. they are pretty. It's pretty common that shrimp can glow in the dark. This seems like a bit of it. This seems like specious reasoning. It seems like this is. You know what you're doing here? This is a little bit of that surface Michael Moore reasoning that seems like it makes sense, but might not actually hold up if I were to lean on it. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I'm not. Pretty good. I'm not flat out saying you're wrong. I'm saying the confluence of the fish suddenly glowing in the dark and the fact that they are outside a nuclear plant. Yeah, uh, salmon's a little weird, but I know it's shrimp. It's pretty common. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll look into it. I'm I'm sure. Look, no, let's be not. honest. No, I was going to say that's actually a lie. We're not going to look into it. No one's going to look into it. Some nutcase on Clyde's side is going to look into it, and that's going to accomplish nothing. So, and, and let's be honest. Whatever we've ingested is already killing us, and there's nothing I can do about it. So my days are numbered anyway. So what are you going to do? Hey, just eat stuff that'll kill you. Thanks. Bye now. Yes, cancer and garbage disposals are coming for me regardless, sir. There's nothing I can do about it. Here's Tim Riley. Well, according to someone, uh, let's see, at the FDA says, uh, we don't hear a lot of complaints about glowing seafood, but then again, people rarely look at their shrimp and crabs in the dark. Okay. Uh, Janice emails to say, Rick, I played with matches and I'm a girl. Also, I lit hairspray. In high school, I used to build up butane under my hand on my jeans and then light it. Yes, I played with fire. I actually would do that. Where you take a, um, like a, like a cigarette lighter, like a cricket lighter, and you put it in your hand, and you cup your hand, attention, junior firebugs, and I would cup my hand over the top, and you don't spike, you don't strike the flint, you, you just press the black button and you let it go, 
and release the butane into your hand. Mm-hmm. Then you strike it, and like a fireball will come out of your hand. It's actually pretty impressive in a Joe Bluth kind of way. Oh. You know, my, it's, okay, uh, you know, now the more I think about this, the more I'm convinced that that guy Brian is probably just rotting in a jail cell somewhere. You know the other thing he used to do? He used to... um. He used to cover his hand. He would sit there in class, back when nobody paid attention to anything kids did. Were you really honestly in class? You could just be sitting there muzzle-loading a rifle in the back of the you know, back row in physics class, and nobody cared. As long as you showed up and didn't talk in class or pass notes, you could be back there restocking ammunition. So he would sit there, and he would paint his hand with rubber cement, like he would cover his entire hand with rubber cement, and then let it dry and then set it on fire. I don't even remember. I had forgotten all about that. And so suddenly, there you would be, like at recess or between periods, you look over and suddenly Brian's hand is on fire. And then he would, you know, like, I don't know, swat it out with a coat or something. Yes. All right. Well, this is freaking me out. All right, here's Tim Riley. It's only 48 street-level degrees right now. That's a cold... You mean outside? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of cold, Nancy Kerrigan is back with the Glade Mannheim Steamroller Halloween on Ice TV special. It'll feature Nancy and company telling a festive and family-friendly tale for Halloween. I'm transformed into this Halloween land, and I'm skating around in my jeans and sweater and wondering what are these characters coming at me, and they're kind of scary. And eventually I realize they're not so bad. They're Who is a this? Different. Nancy Kerrigan. Nancy Megalodon Kerrigan? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, she says it's fun to do a show that's about entertainment and not competition. You get out there and it's all about entertainment. You don't want people sitting on the edge of their seat worried that you're going to miss. You want them to be sitting there and have two hours away from life and be entertained and just have a little escape. Jesus, she's like a Giger drawing on skates. You know what would be great with Nancy Kerrigan? Wouldn't you like to get somebody to dress up as Tanya Harding and just sort of go wherever she performs and just sit in the front row and stare? Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be immensely They wouldn't get satisfying. Tanya Harding to dress up like Tanya Harding. I don't know that anybody would recognize her. That's true, too. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tanya Harding's much fatter older sister. I'm sorry, that was cruel. I shouldn't have... <gasps> you got to go as Tanya Harding for Halloween. I want to go, go where? Ta- I don't know, where? wherever wherever it is you go, wherever you're going, I don't know. I want to go with Tanya Harding. What are you going as? Do you know? You don't have to say it on the air, but do you know? I think I do, yeah. What, um... Don't say it on the air. What are you going to be? <laughs> no, 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 I'm just saying, well, you got to tell me later. I still have nothing. I have no, and Laura and I are going to a thing, a shindig, a gathering, a function, a hootenanny, a hoedown. Mm. Uh, but I have no idea what we're going to go as yet. She has kind of an idea, but I got nothing. Are you guys doing a couple? No, outfits? no, because I decided that was retarded, so F that. Uh, no, because, I was, because it, my whole thing was to go as Rod Steiger from the birds. Um, I was just going to cover myself in birds and blood, and I was going to be, oh, hello, I'm covered in birds, bah! you know, but then it, it, she doesn't want to go with Suzanne Plachette, and she's not blonde, so she can't be whatever her name is, so, um, you know, she can't be Tippy Hedren or whatever, so I, I, I don't know what we're going to do. All right, Tanya Harding, though, that's a great idea for somebody, somebody out there within the sound of my voice, uh, you need to be Tanya Harding. Uh, let's see, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, hello. You know, you could all go as the Decepticons. Moving on. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, my brother got out of the Navy here not too long ago, and he he and his wife had bought a house down there in the San Diego area uh, for like $300,000. And then after he got out of the Navy, they sold it for a little over a million and a right. half, moved back up here, and the house burned down the other night. Really? Well, that's, that is selling it. It's getting out of the market at the right time, I will say. I'm that. going to eat your soul. All right. Thanks. Yeah. You what? No, he stayed on too long. He did. You got to do the. I'm gonna eat your soul. Bam. 
And it took him a few seconds to resolve after that. That I, wasn't uh, the original guy. No, that's not that, sir. You're. I mean, I'm not going to say you're a poor man's uh, soul eater, but I will say that you are clearly... I like a, a McGrath, the crime dog wannabe. I was going to say that. He's sort of a cover band. He's kind of a, the mistress of reality of the soul-eating world. Rick, this email says, oh, this is from Todd the Corpse, about your balding. You mentioned that those around you never really told you how bald you were getting before your surgery. Well, you can't really tell a person so far in denial about their problem. Rick, if you didn't get the message after we had to apply spray-on aerosol hair to you for bigger than Jesus... There was really little hope of getting through to you. Let's just be honest. That is true. I guess I could have taken that as a hint. So is that like colored silly string or just what the was spray on hair? Yeah. No, it's really just paint. Yeah, we sprayed it on when you were Sid. Have you ever seen Sid Nancy? Have you ever uh, here on KCMD Portland? Have you ever heard me talk about uh, uh, you know you know what tree flocking is? Have you ever seen them spray tree flocking? Yes. Imagine tint. Imagine dark, like like black or brown colored tree flocking. Okay. That's what it is. And then yeah, when when Sarah and I for listener party eight, Sarah and I went as Sid and Nancy, and Sid the uh, vicious had black hair, so they uh, they spiked my hair up and they held it there with this jet black hair, but it also had the it also made me look because Greg said just turns your scalp black. Uh, and so, you know, it just made me look like I had all kinds of hair at that point. So, yeah, that's actually... It did. It worked really well. That's actually it. twice in one year I wore aerosol hairspray or, you know, who spray on from? hair. That was from Todd the Corpse. Ah. Who I actually, who I do believe was one of the guys who actually applied the aerosol hair for Bigger Than Jesus. I had to help you pick out the proper color for your aerosol hair. That's true. Well, and that's what, and, then I, and then I had to do everything. I had to, uh, I had to match the carpet to the, not the, whatever. The, I had to match the, uh, the curtains to the duvet or whatever because i had the sideburns and the whatever and it all had to be the same kind of my eyebrows it's you know the thing about that spray on hair is you don't really anticipate how much work it is sort of making your whole face work you know to function together as one cohesive hair color it's all very yeah your hair i'm just looking at the pictures your hair did look good no it look it did no 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 it did uh it did look good that night all right it's 503-733-2970 uh ladies and gentlemen here is tim riley Say, does anybody remember the Democrats? They're the ones who can't seem to get anything done. No, no, I and don't. And now they're taking another run at the S-chip. You would think that this is something that goes on the television set to stop kids from watching. Actually, it's it's a health insurance for children, which the uh, president vetoed because he said it was too much money. Now Nancy Pelosi, who is disliked by just about everyone, uh, responded to a public White House claim that the president is willing to talk about a possible compromise with the S-chip. Uh, well, we've asked the president on a number of occasions if we can visit with him uh, to talk about the legislation, uh, but he was not receptive to that, nor has he made any overtures to us to talk about it. Really, honestly, it does sound like she's broadcasting over some weird transgalactic frequency from Zur and the Code and Armada. <laughs> the Northwest has a pretty healthy reputation when it comes to obesity. But it still has plenty no. of people. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. That's according All to the fatties are here. Are you, when you, are you using healthy sort of colloquially or ironically? Yeah. <gasps> oh. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to be right. nice. To okay. Uh, a woman who calls herself Hungry Girl, whose name is actually Lisa Lillian, writes a column for Yahoo and the New York Daily News, says you need to make dieting permanent. Lillian says healthy foods at home uh, are the thing to do, and she recommends uh, specific diets for day-to-day -day eating. I like foods that have a high water content because they're going to keep you feeling fuller and more satisfied. That is such a low. So I love, like, broth-based soup. <laughs> what an interesting woman she must be. <laughs> she writes, she, she's, she's really a... Soup. She writes the Yahoo Soup column. She's really... Must like soup. She's really a firecracker, I bet. Unless she's fighting obesity here in the Northwest. Sure. Single-handedly. <laughs> you can tell. Have a nice big bowl here's, of soup. Like, here's, a, here's a request. Use use another hand, please. Please. Come on. And if you're lucky, maybe some crumbled crackers. You can't. 
Yeah. Fighting obesity in the Northwest requires both hands and a wheelbarrow, also a shovel. The and, that, and by the way, does she not sound exactly like that woman in um? God, what is it? Is, is it is it best in show? That where the old the, the the young the young kind of slutty woman who's married to the old guy and she's oh, doing yeah. the whole. Well, we both like soup. That's exactly <laughs> what that is right there. And that is such a lie. Also, that the business that if you just if you just eat a lot of things that have water in them, you'll somehow be full. That is the big fiction. Uh, let's talk about fictions right now when it comes in. Look, I don't get me wrong. I don't have a big problem with obesity. I'm flabbier than I would like to be, but I am no and one's we idea. Love fiction. And I'm no one's idea of like a fat. I'm aware of that. Uh, but, you know, but I would like to be thinner uh, than I am. I'm an American, so I can never be thin enough. I must always be filled with a with a, an aura of self-loathing. Um, but they will tell you a couple of things. They'll say, first of all, no, 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 exercise feels great. Really, uh, exercise feels fantastic, which is just a lie, just flat out the, the, the crap. Exercise feels terrible. Exercise is like having your muscles dipped in kerosene and, and it's boring. set ablaze. It's boring. It is brain-numbingly tedious. Uh, it, you, you sweat. You stink. You and go, you get all kinds of germs from the equipment. You get all kinds of germs. There's always, If you're at the gym, there's somebody talking to you, uh, the, you, somebody you don't want to have a conversation with. If you're bicycling, the odds... Somebody fat and ugly standing there naked like you're supposed to look at them. <laughs> like it's supposed to be some pleasurable experience that they're parading around <laughs> naked in a locker room. Hello, Tim Riley. I couldn't help but notice you there. Would you like to look at my many folds of skin? <laughs> you understand why Anderson Cooper is the way he is and just starts showering while clothed, apparently. Yeah. Which is, we had that, I think it was, on, was it on the TMZ or something, they were saying that, that like Anderson Cooper, and I don't even understand why Anderson Cooper goes to a public gym. Isn't he rich enough, that Anderson Cooper or his mom, rich enough that he could just have a private gym built for himself? That's what I was thinking. Why would he go to a public gym? I mean... Just doesn't make any sense. But he, we had that story that Anderson Cooper goes and he works out, and then while wearing a shirt and and like shorts, the showers in that. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe he's just a never nude or something, and we don't really know about <laughs> it. But it just seems a little odd. Good Arrested Development quote. I'm just saying. I understand that if you're Anderson Cooper, you don't want people taking photos of your scrotum. Maybe you know for whatever reason. I'm just saying. It, shower at home, friend. Take take a cab home. Use the shower there. Um. But none of me, yeah, but you, yeah, you're in the gym, it, you're sweaty, it's hot, it's disgusting, it, you, you feel like crap while you're doing it. You know, exercising sucks. What is great is having exercised. Again, I, it would be in, untrue and it would be just deception of the highest level if I were to say that I enjoyed my bike ride to work. I don't. The bike ride to work sucks. The bike ride home is even worse because it's all uphill. What I do enjoy is... I guess you get a certain amount of the endorphin release, and then also, let's not delude ourselves here, you're able to achieve a certain level of smugness. You can just say, well, I bicycle to work. I am part of the solution. What are you, Mr. Took His Car to the Office? The other great thing about having bicycled to work, and I don't know how many calories I burn riding that bike to work. I really don't. I would say it's somebody told me, I don't know if this is true, somebody told me that bicycling from my house to work is about five miles. Seems about right. Yeah. No, I'd say like four. Four? Okay. So, you know, four. four. So, like, okay. so then home is four, you know, so eight miles. So, uh, well, let's figure it out. I'll, I'll, so let's, and it. I, and, you know, so, uh, so today I will bicycle eight miles. I have no idea how many calories I burn bicycling eight miles, you know, bicycling to and from, but, you know, but in my head, and I don't know if I'm the only one who does this, I suspect I am not. I bicycle four miles to work, four miles home. In my head, though, that cancels out anything I eat today. Like, in my head, I have burned so many calories by bicycling, 
doesn't matter where I could eat an entire pig. I think you burn more walking. Uh huh. <laughs> I walk a lot. Yeah, but I'm not going to walk to work. That's stupid. I end up walking about uh, two or three miles from uh, the bank station. Yeah, but you have to. You don't have any option. Yes, I, I could take the streetcar. No, that's it's true. Right in the corner here. Yeah, you don't take the streetcar. You want to talk about a thing that's filled with disease? Well, that and it is streetcar takes... free. It does, but but it takes twice as long as walking. Oh, of course, but but it's quaint. It's I quaint suppose. and it's free, so you can't complain. Think as let me just say this. Let's just say what we know to be true. As filled with vileness and death as Portland public transportation often is, imagine how disgusting free Portland public transportation must be. Mm. Look, it's like the Max, but it's free. I mean, huh, you have to t- get a tetanus shot just thinking about that. Um, so, but in my head, because I bicycle to work, I can go right to that machine, eat nine or ten of those hosted fruit pies. Not going to put an ounce on me. Why? Because I bicycle to work. I really am like the guy who has the huge 12,000-calorie salad with one iceberg lettuce leaf on the top. It's a salad. All right, we're doing – I'm sorry, we're off on a whole thing here. But they will also tell you that if you are dieting – no, 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 it just uh, – inject, drink a lot of water. It'll make you feel full. BS. Crap. Doesn't make you feel full at all. That is such a, that is such a lie. Such a lie. All right. Let's continue here. Uh, we got Ed McCarthy coming up in a few. Um – Oh, I'm sorry. I for, forgive me. We have uh, Jim Roop coming up in a few. Uh, so we'll do a few more here. Talk to Jim Roop. We'll uh, do a thing. We'll break later. Uh, coming up in a while, more from Tim Riley, the top five. Oh, we're going to talk to those guys, and I teased this earlier in the week. We'll talk uh, for a few minutes to those guys who are doing that uh, Night of the Living Dead live stage play, which is really, really great. Tim, are you a fan of the, of the original, the George Romero Night of the Living Dead? I don't remember seeing it. Really? Yeah. I'm stunned. Okay. Well, you got to see it. Uh, I really strongly uh, suggest that if you are into A, Halloween, B, the original Night of the Living Dead film, or C, uh, stage play, or some combination of the above, you got to check it out. Uh, and I'm, this is not, I'm not being paid to say this. It's just badass. I saw it last year, and I think all the Muddy River Nightmare guys were there, too, because they sort of, it's like there's some zombie sign that gets put up in the sky, Batman style, and they just, there, zombie happening, we have to go. And so I went there, and they were all in the parking lot afterward. Or maybe they were just hanging out a tiger drunk in a parking lot for no reason, which is not, like, out of the question. Anyway, so we'll talk to the guys who are doing the Night of the Living Dead stage play this uh, this Halloween season. Let's do a couple more. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, who are the Chinese trying to kill today? Anyone who buys a bobblehead doll. That's right, three-inch plastic bobbleheads with a green base are intended as cake decorations and represent uh, several NFL teams. They're sold all over the country, and now they're being recalled because they have lead in the paint. Personally, I think if you own more than one bobble doll, and really the only exception for that is if it was given to you and you can't throw it away because it's from a family member who's going to come visit you again at some point, like how I can't get rid of those Christmas potholders my mother-in-law gave me. If you own a bobblehead, there's really something wrong with you, and you could do with a little more lead, like a lethal amount in your bloodstream. Well, one Florida city is fed up with the antics of the Chinese. What? One city where? Palm Bay. Palm Bay is mulling over a proposal to ban items made in China. Mayor John Mazzarotti <laughs> says... Good luck. I know. That's what he's up to. What got me started on this thing originally was the recalls. The recalls on the foods, the, the uh, toys, the pet things. And then Mattel with their apology to China. And I said, I did some research on it, and I found out that we're in, we've got some major problems out there. And somebody no, made the, uh, if you did more major research, you'd find that nothing isn't made in China. Really, honestly, I would say right now, if you were to do a survey of all of the inanimate objects. Uh, Sarah, will you check those two uh, hideous stuffed animals that my mother-in-law uh, gave me? One was for our anniversary and one was... Uh, what am I checking them just for? Just see where they were made. Oh. See if it says made in somewhere. 
Um, may not be made in China. I may be wrong about this. This may be a. Some uh, things are still made in Mexico, but made in China. <laughs> of course, there you go. And where's this one? It may not say, but they're from the same company. Oh, here's a tag. Made in China. Okay, both of those. By the way, that was not planned or set up. I didn't know. Made in China. Yeah, I didn't know where those were made. That was a flat-out freaking guess right there. So we have to be careful not to put them in our tomorrow. Because models. everything, yes, whatever you do, because everything on Earth is made in China at this point, up to and including a horrendous tchotchkes given to me by my in-laws. So... Have fun now with I want that, to pick Florida. up everything and look if it says made. Everything in China. is made in China. Does. Yeah, I mean it, it all comes from there. Has somebody made the obligatory get the let out joke yet? No. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to get the let out. Uh, this isn't meant to uh, punish the city in Florida. No, it doesn't punish the city. It makes us buy things that are made in this country. That's all. Well, I would like to say buy in America, but you can't even do that anymore. Then why are you doing this? Made in China. Is that your, uh, your vibrating balls? My vibrating balls. Aaron's vibrating balls that he gave you. Yes. All right. Very nice. Let's do one more. Uh, the opera star, Steve Carell, stars in a new dramedary. Uh, Dan in real life. <laughs> I'm in sorry? theaters this weekend. Really? That's a combination of a drama and a comedy, apparently. He plays a widower who inadvertently falls in love with his brother's girlfriend during a family getaway. We did the uh, the advanced preview for that movie a couple weeks ago. I uh, was unable to attend, though, so I don't know what the, if it was any good or not. He says it is possible to do a comedy about characters who have experienced a tragedy at the same time. My immediate family has experienced a lot of loss in the, in the last few years. And one thing that I've gleaned from that is that... Even within depression and sorrow and darkness, there's light, there's possibility, and there are moments of happiness. No, He's making that up. As no, a yeah, that's just, that's, it wasn't even rehearsed. None, really. of, none of that is true. That's all a lie, sir. Well, Americans are more confident that the U.S. is winning the war on terror. Don't ask me how they think that. A new Rasmussen report. Uh, finds that 43% of Americans believe the U.S. is achieving success in the war on terror. At the same time, 30% say the terrorists are winning. So who knows what that uh, is. is. There, okay, whatever. Never mind. Never mind. Somebody named Russ Musson. Okay. Musson. Ladies and gentlemen, let us now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show live. The one and only James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy, man. Hi. What's up with you, brother? Uh, just been on Firewatch, son. Been a couple days. Now... I've been on this thing since Sunday. I was just going to say. I've had one day off the last 15. And it's because you are a soldier, sir. You are a radio trooper. You know what you are? You're like. You're afraid of being fired. You are. Get, get, get in line, my friend. <laughs> hey, hey, babe, I'm telling you, that's the bottom line here. I'd rather take a nap, but I'd also, I'd more rather be employed. Yes. You, you have no idea. <laughs> oh, really? Uh-oh. Anyway, let's Everything move on. Okay there? Been changes in our family. <laughs> Something on fire? It's a it's a time of transition here at CBS Radio, James. Lord have mercy. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to make the obligatory joke here. Uh, today you're on Firewatch. On Monday you were simply on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rick Emerson, please to tell me about you being on fire. Yeah, um, I, I I was doing a live shot uh, about 25 yards, uh, maybe closer. To active flame during on Monday, I guess it was, mm -hmm. when the winds were really kicking up. You know, I had my stupid yellow shirt on and the stupid goggles and everything, but <laughs> the winds came up, and I, I just sort of turned my body a little bit because I mean these are ninety mile an hour gusts. Right. I turned my body a little bit, made myself small so I wouldn't fall over, and I'm on the air during all of this. Of course. And I I, I come up, you know, and open my eyes, even though I had the goggles on, I still closed my eyes. How stupid is that? But 
I'm finishing up my report, and, or I'm continuing the report, and I realize I feel this heat on the back of my leg. And I look down, and my pants legs are on fire. So I just start beating the pants leg out, so all my pants are on fire. Please tell me that there's audio of this and that we can hear it. Uh, there is audio of this. All right. Is it? Is that... Uh, is that ex- uh, you know what? They sent it to me. I might be able to play that for you if you have a second. All right. We do for you all the time in the world, my friend. Hang on. Let me see if I can... If I can do this. All right, hold on. We'll uh, we'll play our. Okay, now you're killing me with that. Oh, I'm just, well. This is, it is you know it's it's our waiting for a thing to happen music. Ah, uh, well, anyway, it was uh, it was it was quite an event to be uh, to say the least. So you were so you were broadcasting a lot. Now, did you say? And I guess maybe we'll hear it at some point if you, if you can dig up the audio. But did, I mean, did you say like, hold hold on, Ted, I'm I'm on fire. Uh, no, I didn't say I was on fire. I just said, oh, my pants are on fire. <laughs> That's actually so what I great. Um, I was talking to, um, I was talking to, uh, to Brooke Benkowski yesterday, who's, uh, she's a K&X down there, and we, I know she's giving you guys a hand with some of the broadcasting and so forth, and we actually, I did say that if I ever form a band again, I want to, I want to call it, you know, my next band is going to be Jim Roop's Burning Pants. Oh, very nice. Yeah, that's what we're going to call ourselves. So, very nice. Okay, here, you want to hear it? Yes, and more than that, don't we want to hear it? Yes. All right. All right, here we go. Here it comes here. Jim Roop on fire. Oh, I'm on up here. There it is. CNN Radio, I'm Bill Cayaccio. Southern California is on fire. CNN's Jim Roof reports live raging wildfires are threatening thousands of homes. I tell you, Mother Nature just got cooperating on just this fire alone in Castaic. The strong winds are helping push this fire to 15,000 acres. That's the latest figure. And there are fires burning from San Diego to the high desert. Uh, my just caught fire from the Santa Barbara. About a dozen fires are burning in seven counties. Needless to say, the firefighting resources are stretched to near bursting, and this is what prompted the governor to declare a state of emergency, releasing funds to get more resources here. Reporting live, Jim Roof, CNN, uh, in Los Angeles. There it is. Were you still on fire at the end? Uh, well, it, it was hot. <laughs> but I mean. I, I, <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so at one point during that, I mean, you're you, you reporting, and then you go. This is my favorite part. And there are fires burning from San Diego to the high desert. And that's just caught fire. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, dude, I finished the report, man. Oh, my God. I was just going to say, dude, you are a game day player like the men of old. <laughs> um, that is, okay, so how... Okay, I'm looking at my own pants here for a comparison. Where on Wait a minute, your pants? I'm going to send you the picture. Oh, dude, you, there's a picture? I took a picture of it with my BlackBerry. Oh, you are the you are the king. Uh, which email address are you sending that to? Oh shit, I don't know. Let me let me bleep the fact that you just said the S word. Sorry, <laughs> I've, been, I've been up forever, dude. Oh, please now to listen to the podcast later so you can hear that. I uh, just bleeped. Uh, that is, I, you know what? Although, technically, that is allowable under the FCC regulations. That is an excited utterance during a news broadcast. That is correct, yes. So, actually, I could have let that go just there. Well, I'm glad you didn't. Can I tell you, years ago on KOTK, um, it was Dick Uliano, I believe, who dropped the F word. Um, I'm pretty sure it was him. I don't, want, I don't want to falsely tag him, but I'm pretty sure it was him. And because an explosion happened while he was on the phone with us. He was on the phone. And something literally, he might have been in a demolition range, so I think it might have been expected, but something blew up in the background. And Juliano, I'm almost positive it was him, said F, and he just used the F word. 
And my program director at the time said, let it go. It's an excited utterance. And so we let it go because it was an excited utterance during a newscast. Wow. Uh, which is uh, an exemption under FCC law. I didn't know you could do that. It is. Well, that was also pre-Janet. It was years ago. And I was directed to do it by the PD, but he was right. Um under under FCC regulations, an excited utterance during a newscast is uh, protected speech. Um, I would never do that now, uh, but years ago, in a different era, uh, that happened. <laughs> anyway, um, so, but I mean, are we talking like the cuff, the knee, the leg? We're talking about the back of the pants, uh, from the bottom of the pants up past the up to the calf. Jesus, that's terrifying because you can't even really see it. It's behind you and. God. Oh, I felt it, though, son. And so how long did it take you to get it out? How did you extinguish that flame? I beat it out with my uh, reporter's notebook. Fantasy. <laughs> Things pretty handy. Dude, you never want to let that reporter's notebook out of your that's sight. What, that's, what, that's what that sound is. When I'm slapping myself, I'm, I'm hitting my pants with the... Uh... With the you can if, if you want to send that it is to uh, it's uh, I don't know where you're sending this from. Um, from my BlackBerry. Okay, I don't. Uh, I say you can send it to uh, the address that I email you from. I don't want to give my private email address out on the air. But, yeah, um, I'm trying to look it up now. All right. Um, uh, and if not, I'll tell you what. If not here, because I know you got stuff to do, um, I can put you on hold when we're done, and the screener will give you the email address. Okay. Uh, well, in any event, well, God bless you. And so, the did, let me ask you this: Did you have to? When you finished that report, when you terminated the report, were you still on fire? No. Okay. Um, but I didn't. I didn't go home. I mean, the, the fire was out. The pants legs were smoking. Oh, that is so but, great. But I just, I just kept working. Are you going to keep those pants? Oh, I have them. Actually, I, I, I wore them to cut the grass when I got home last you, night. No, you got to keep those. That's got to go in your radio box of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> next time, you know, seriously, next time you come up here, you come up to do another one of the things to meet the people again, you got to bring the pants bring with it. you. Right. Bring the pants, sir. Um, all right, I'll tell you what here. We're, uh, I'm going to let you I'm going to let you get back to it cuz I know you are How long has it been since you've had like a few consecutive hours of sleep? Oh, hell. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Brother, here's the thing. I'm going to put you on hold. Give me just one second here. I had 3 hours left. Three and a half hours last night. You know what you sound like right now? What? You sound like uh, Tom Cruise in Taps, which we reference like once a month, where uh, it's like... It's beautiful, man! <laughs> now he's some... <laughs> Dennis Hopper, ladies and gentlemen. You remember that, don't you? I do. I absolutely do. Where he's machine gunning. Yeah. There's that sequence where Timothy Hutton is talking to Tim Cruise, and it's in day three of the siege, and Timothy Hutton's like, you get any sleep last night? And Tom Cruise, who was like a scarily good actor at that point, Tom Cruise said, uh, Tom Cruise goes... Slept yeah. like a baby. I had two whole hours. Slept, Slept like, like a baby. baby. Two whole hours. Yeah, genius. All right. Uh, Where's my gun? I am going to put you on hold. Uh, our uh, screener, uh, Timmy, will pick up the phone. Timmy. And he will, yes, <laughs> grown man. He will, uh, and he will give you my private email address. He'll let you, uh, so you can fo uh, email that to me. Thank you, Ricky. All right. <laughs> Bye, Jimmy. Somebody's Bye. gone wacky. Thank you, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Stay safe, brother. There you go. All right. Boy, how great was that? You, if you, I'm so sad we had to bleep that. I could let it go actually, but I didn't. Um, oh, you would never let anything like that. No, go. but I said, I said, what email are you sending that to? And he just goes, oh, ass man, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. All right. Speaking of zombies, um, we're the Groovy Ghoulies. Come back after this. Talk to some of the guys from uh, the Night of the Living Dead stage play. Spend a few minutes with them. And uh, on the other side of that, Tim Riley. Do you have news for us? Oh, yes, it never ends. God bless you. No, you're right.
Never ends. Never ends. Not till the uh, not till the sweet embrace of death. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Coming up later on, glorious bastard of the week. We'll do that actually on the other side. Uh, top five and so forth. You say this is the Rick Emerson show. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. You can have about nine seconds here where nothing happens because I'm finishing my coffee, so everybody just has to be okay with that. All right, fantastic. And there's no creamer. Miss Scotty Moore, every pass. Creamer. Creamer. Excellent. No, you, you. you used the last you. of it. There's Thanks someone in the so kitchen. Much. I know. I'm not used to having to do things myself. It's all very difficult. Life is hard. This is how the little people live, and I don't like it. It's 503-733-2970. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, lovingly assembled by robots right here in the United States. Coming up later on, um, we'll have CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy, who will be exultant and probably not a little gloaty uh, about the... Really just the unmitigated reaming given to the Rockies uh, last night, which is fantastic. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we got the top five coming up. More from uh, Tim Riley, Glorious Bastard of the Week, and so forth. It seems like I ought to have creepy uh, music to play here for this. Hold on, let me just... Oh, wait, here we go. I've got a little something. Let me just... Uh, there we go. Fantastic. Oh, and I've turned it off. It's <laughs> creative pause. It's dramatic tension. So last, uh, I'm trying to remember when it was. It would have been around the same time, a couple days before Halloween. Um, I'm always looking for stuff that is sort of weird and audacious and just sort of ambitious and strange. And, and I don't know. And we're up to our eyeballs in crap most of the time. You know, most of the so-called art that is foisted off into the public is just like an amalgam- amalgamation of, of just garbage. Um, but, but I went to see this great thing last year, the Night of the Living Dead stage play. It was put on by these folks uh, called the Blue Monkey Theater Company. And I just and I, I'd never heard anything about them, didn't know anything about it, didn't know what it was. Um, you know, and, and, and there's, I know there's a lot of the people they do like the, the, the Footloose or whatever. They, do, they take sort of kooky 80s films, they put them on stage, and I, you know, and whatever. And said, that's not really for me. I didn't know what to expect when I watched into this Night of the Living Dead thing. And man, it was badass. I have to tell you this. Let's welcome now uh, to the Rick Emerson Show, Stephen Black and Ken Potts. Potts. I'm sorry. No worries. I swore to myself. I mean, I had like a little like, I had the, the whole um, you get kind little of mnemonic mental blocks about things. I had a whole device in my head. I had this uh, the thing that I was going to use to remember it. Anyway, I went to see the Night of the Living Dead stage play last year, and I have to tell you, and I'm not waxing your car when I say this, it was freakier than a lot of horror movies that you pay good money to see in the theater. Excellent. I mean, like, yeah, like an actual film. Um, I don't want to give too much away about this, uh, but let me just say, unless things have changed since last year, because we got a whole zombie thing here on the show and in the audience, we got a lot of musicians who listen, and there is some weird punk rock zombie musician undead sort of thing that happens out there. I was just watching this reality show last weekend to search for the next great American band or whatever, and there was like some country punk group, and they're all with the corpse pain and singing about, hey, hey, my flesh is falling off, and it's a whole thing. <laughs> so I went to see it, and again, I don't want to tip the hand too much, but um, it, it is a fully immersive experience. Let's it say is. that, right? It is. So for people who have no idea... Uh, 3D without the funny glasses. Really. I mean, it just uh, I'll let you kind of tell a little bit about this, and then we'll kind of tell people where they can go see it. Um, if uh, 
What can you tell people without giving it all away about going to see the Night of the Living Dead stage play? Well, we do encourage people to uh, get into the act as well. You know, come come as a zombie. It's a lot of fun. Um, the, it, it was an inception um, that happened, started about, this will be the fifth year that has been put on. The um, The first year was a was a stage reading of the script. Uh, Ken Potts who, uh, here is also the technical director for Blue Monkey Theater Company. And this is my second year working with this particular production. Now, you're in it, too? You are... Uh, I am. I play the role of Johnny, the guy at the beginning who has probably one of the... <laughs> who has probably one of the most famous lines of the movie. Say it! They're coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that freaks me out, man. Yeah, they're dead. They're all. I've seen stuff. that movie. Oh, that's the second most favorite line. I've seen that movie like a hundred times, and I got to take. First of all, let me just reveal a shameful fact about not so much me, but about my. You'll forgive the expression. My choice in wives. I, my wife, God bless her, is into many things, but. I have tried to show her, uh, I've tried to raise her up in the culture. I've tried to make her a more well-rounded person, to give her more facets than perhaps she had when we met. And for the most part, it's really gone over well. You know, I have her listen to a record, see a movie, watch a thing, read a book. There are two movies that she didn't make it through. She didn't make it through The Godfather, either of the times I tried to have her watch it. Every time, right about the time that Michael's killing Salazzo, I look over and she's... <laughs> and I swear to Christ, she fell asleep during Night of the Living Dead. And I don't even know how that's possible. Well, but she uh, fell asleep like 12 minutes in, like at that sequence, the uh, where he's, uh, you know, where they look over and there's the guy lurching off in the background. Yeah, that's yeah. bad. I, I got to admit, I actually fell asleep the first time I watched it, but that's because I was building the show at the time because I was tech director again <laughs> last year and pulling like two hours of sleep a wow. night, and so I was completely exhausted. I, all, I made it to the end when the zombies are attacking, so I'm waking up every ten seconds. There are more and more zombies in the house. It was right. pretty wacky. We, uh, we, the, with the production, though, we, we have taken it uh, as interactive and multimedia as well. Uh, the opening sequence with the uh, car driving up through the yeah. cemetery and going through the, the, the countryside, we don't have programs for this particular show because what we have done is we have taken those opening credits and put the actors, our local actors in, all the opening credits, and filmed that entire sequence in Portland. And it, ha and it has the original soundtrack from the it's, movie. It's so great. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, um, it, it, you know, the, yes, the Night of the Living Dead is the they're driving into the cemetery. And uh, there's also a sequence uh, about halfway through the film where there's sort of, a, the, the, you know, the press is talking about it, and there's the Army Corps of Engineers or whoever, and the, the, the authorities are talking about it. And you guys have recreated that footage. We have recreated the footage with local actors. Local uh, celebrities, as a matter uh, of fact. Drew Carney, uh, Tobias Anderson, uh, some... Late Norby. They're, they're, they do a great job doing this. We have it so that it is created in black and white. And I know you're a fan of Mad Men. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We, we, uh, we really went all out to get that late 60s feel from the technology, the right down from the, the microphones that they're using, right to the background, to the clothes they're wearing. Itself. And last year, when the, the big thing I heard was, well, it's a play, but it's in black and white. And I didn't know how it was possible. And it, it's really nothing... Eh. It's impressive, but I guess it's pretty simple. When you see it done, you go, oh, okay. But, well, of it's, man, it is really, really great. And let's just say this. And if you go to see this play, I'm assuming you've seen the movie. Let's talk about the, the little girl. Yes. Um, in this, and I don't know if it's the same little girl as last year, but you want to talk about just, man, it just, it, even now, it's like my skin wants to crawl off of my body just thinking about it. Unfortunately, uh, well, it, it is a different actress portraying uh, Karen Cooper uh, this year, but um, 
our our little actress this year is just as good, oh. if not better. She's, little Haley Rousseau. Haley Rousseau. She's she's fantastic, and as you can see, I gave you the, our little handout. Yeah. She does have uh, reddish hair, which is uh, about the only other color that you see in the entire yes. play, There's except for the red of the uh, gushing blood. So it's not it's, <laughs> it's not Gallagher-esque, but believe me, there is uh, the stage is literally covered with blood at the end of the show. And I will say this, and again, again, and I have to say this, I, I am only talking about this because I'm a fan, and I saw it last year, and I think it's and we, there's so much bad horror being made, not just in America, but everywhere. I mean, there's so much stuff that just, like, we live in this sort of post-scream era where it's so hard to find anything that is legitimately freaky or terrifying or whatever. I do, and I got a pretty, I'm not going to say a strong stomach, but in terms of being unnerved or sort of freaked out by a film, I mean, I, you know, I've seen all the greats, and I, I consider myself to have nerves of steel and this kind of thing. I will say that... And how long is the entire play, front to back? Oh, like 90 minutes, something like that? Not even. Just under that. Just yeah, under 90 minutes? Just under 90 minutes. So my minutes. wife and I are sitting there last year. We're watching this Night of the Living Dead play. And I do have to tell you, there comes, and I won't give anything away, but there just things begin to happen. And at about 35 minutes into it, you just are kind of like, what? Why am I subjecting myself to this? I, it becomes really uncomfortable and creepy. And I mean that in the best possible way. So. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so I remember you going on and on about this last year and how it awesome is, it was. It's so great. Uh, so, it really, people got to go see this. So, so the great it, thing about the multimedia is because it is being shown in a theater at the Valley Theater yeah. uh, in Beaverton on uh, 9360 Southwest Beaverton Hillsdale Highway. And I want to point out that the Valley Theater is actually not just a theater, it is a pub. So, if you come into our first show, which uh, Friday and Saturday at 10 o'clock p.m., you need to stoke your courage. You get there early, you uh, can get yourself that pitcher of uh, microbrew along with your popcorn. Get there before the taps close. Yeah. The taps close at 9.45, I want to say that. But, uh, and, of course, on Saturday, we'll be doing a midnight showing as well. And then Halloween, uh, Halloween night, 10 p.m. as well. So uh, it's bluemonkeytheater.org, uh, and that is theater, not theatre. Blue Monkey Theater. <laughs> well, you can never tell. The American um, way. Bluemonkeytheater.org, and it happens at the Valley Cinema uh, all the way up through Halloween night, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Friday and Saturday and Halloween night. All right, actually. Dark on Monday and Tuesday. All right, so, uh, so Steve, Ken, thank you guys so much for coming Thanks, in. Thanks, Rick. Hey, appreciate thank you. it. No Night of the Living Dead, the stage play, bluemonkeytheater.org. Uh, As Kurt Loder would say, do try to catch it. All right, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank and you. I do want to point out one thing, Rick. Yes. If they had just listened to Harry Cooper and gotten down the basement, <laughs> they'd have all been alive in the morning. No, it's true. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, thank you, my friends. Thank you so much for coming in. Appreciate it. All right, excellent. All right, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. On uh, just a second here, we will go back to Tim Riley, who will give you uh, the news of the top five coming up later on and uh, so forth. Let's see, what else? Uh, we have uh, CNN radio correspondent uh, Ed McCarthy. Who are we going to take a break? Here in a while. Um, are, I don't even know if I we're think overtime. we're supposed to do Tim. Are we overtime or are we undertime? Um, are we Tim breaking really now or are we not? No, it's time for Tim. <laughs> it's time for Tim. I'm sorry. There's like a, there's a congestion at the door. We've got one Tim trying to come in and the other Tim trying to uh, trying to guide our guests out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it is Tim Riley. And now from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, it's not a good idea to mess with the mayor, even if he isn't very big. Mayor Matthew Garfrey and his wife were awakened early yesterday morning. Someone tried to break into their house through a side and a rear door. Uh, Mr. Godfrey is the mayor of Ogden, Utah. You don't want to screw with people in Ogden. They've all got guns, too, every one of them. Well, he jumped out of bed, checked on the kids and went outside. He was heading across the front lawn and riding off on a bike of ours, said Godfrey of the burglar. I ran him down and tackled him, wrestled him, and put him in a headlock. 
He held the man down with the wife called 911. Curtis Poorman was arrested for investigation of burglary, robbery, public intoxication, legal consumption of alcohol by a minor, possession of marijuana. Uh, we'll stop there, said the police. <laughs> the mayor is half the burglar's size. Excellent. Godfrey is a long-distance runner, five foot six, 135. Oh, he's my size, 135 pounds. A uh, poor man is 20. He weighs 163. He's 5'12". Uh, was that just a little, was that a little subtle bragging right there? He's a spelled man like me, Tim Riley. Yes. Uh, let's see. So, uh, uh, the man Godfrey tackled is no stranger. He's from a family we know and love and respect. They're good friends of ours. They just have a wayward child. Uh -huh. I taught this young man in church, but apparently not very well. <laughs> uh, poor man was awaiting trial on charges involving two previous garage burglaries and allowed to remain free. Yeah, he seems like a real child of God. Uh, poor man cannot be, uh, let's see, reach for comment. In this case, I just heard about it, says his attorney, J.D. Poorman, a distant cousin, who had no clue what happened. It's uh, like what I tell my son between 18 and 25. That's what I call the stupid years. And having a name like poor man probably doesn't help either. Uh, Travel Lodge says there's been an increase of naked sleepwalking. The hospitality company that operates more than 300 business hotels said they've had to uh, retrain staff to handle guests who do this type of thing. They say that sleepwalking increased seven times in the past year. And 95% of the sleepwalkers are scantily clad men. Uh-huh. Uh, well, as we've already noted, travel is this Travel Lodge? Yes. Travel Lodge. Well, we've noted that they have... Did I show you guys the soap? Sounds uh, so crude. No. I, let me show you the soap. Um, the When Lara and I went to Los Angeles last year to see Rockstar Supernova, uh, we went to Burbank, and then we went to L.A., uh, and we stayed at Travel Lodge. It was some weird Expedia thing where I think we had to stay at Travel Lodge of both cities or whatever. So we go to a Travel Lodge. I didn't show you the weird bar soap in the hotel room. No, you did not. Okay, no. i got to find it then, because if anybody has stayed at a Travel Lodge in the last... Um, it, it went, in fact, no, it was only in Burbank, so we stayed at the Standard uh, in L.A., that weird uh, hotel with the rooftop party. That oh, I was, fancy hotel. The one with no shower. With the, yeah, the one with the weird glass shower in the middle of the living room. Um, but we stayed at a travel lodge in Burbank. What a sad statement that is. Hello, I'm at the travel lodge in Burbank. Mm -hmm. That's just like wheeling corpses in Van Nuys. Yeah. Um, the travel lodge in Burbank, you know, you go in there, and there's a little, uh, the, the, the proprietary bars of hotel room soap and so forth. But, you know, typically it's just... It's it's like either a house brand or it's just it's some not it's like an ivory thing and it just you know or whatever. What is a Spring Mills soap? This actually is Travel Lodge brand soap. They have their own wrapper on it, oh. but the wrapper on the soap. I'm taking a long time to tell the story, but when you stay at a Travel Lodge, the little bar of soap in the shower, it is a black wrapper that says soap in big white letters, almost like it's kind of a generic thing. But how do I put this? Spread out suggestively, draped out over the word soap as though it were some sort of, you know, like a like a huge like a fifty foot woman draped over the Hollywood sign, draped over the word soap is that travel lodge bear, you know, with like a sleepy hat and a nightshirt. You know what I'm talking about? Their mascot. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what I'm talking no, about. I know, you this, I know what you're talking about. The Travel Lodge Bear, who is this sort of bear with a nightshirt and a and a and a and a, and a sleeping hat, oh, like a British style uh, sleeping garb, is like draped out, laying across the word soap, and it looks really bizarrely sexual. And I do. We did have this long discussion, my wife and I, about whether this is some sort of weird, trying to cash in on the plushy furry market, sort of a thing that the, maybe the average person wouldn't notice, but to that community. Is sort of a secret message, like, oh, ye are welcome here, plushies and furries. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a picture of it online. You have to. 
I have to. I have it at home. I saved it. I saved it, and it's uh, it's sitting there. Sarah and I were talking about my home office yesterday, how the reason I keep all of our KISS figurines and everything here is because there's no more room in my home. My home is just packed. My home office, which is the only place I'm allowed to demonstrate any personality, is packed. Just every single conceivable inch of shelf space in my home office is filled with... Kiss dolls and Alice Cooper stuff and whatever, but sitting oh, there. Oh, it doesn't say soap. It says body. No, body. Actually, it says body. I got it right here. Body. Okay, yeah, that's right there. Okay, yeah, but look at it. That's look a all... sexy bear. It's, it's like all creepy. lounging. That's creepy. It's creepy. It's yeah, that's right. It doesn't say soap. It says body. I have that bar of soap above my computer at home. I just sort of set it there because it's sort of fascinating to me. Um, and there's a big paw print on the soap. That how? I mean, can you get? Do you have a good picture of it? Like a good close-up picture of it? Oh, you can buy a case of this stuff. Who do you think they're targeting with that? I mean, don't you think that's some weird kind of message? Doesn't the bear look strangely sexual just to be regular soap? I'm gonna send it to you right now. Okay. I mean, first of all, I never really thought the bear had a gender of any kind. Um, they sell the soap in a case of 500. <laughs> Who wants 500 bars of Travelodge soap? I don't know, but this company sells it. Really, honestly. Uh, all right. I must have soap from Travelodge. That is the only glycerin that will be allowed to touch my meaty folds. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. What's up, brother? What's up? Uh, a couple observations and a question. Um, yes. did, I, did I just hear Tim say that poor man was five foot 12? Tim? Did, no, there, I, I did not. Is it possible that that phrase came out of your mouth, Tim? It's possible, yes. All right. But let's, highly unlikely. Let's all pretend he didn't say it. <laughs> okay. And the question is, I've heard you uh, talk about the movie Descent. The Descent, yes. And there's two editions I've seen in the rental stores. One has, like, a bunch of women kneeling down and making, like, the figure of a skull. And the other is kind of like Carrie with a woman standing there covered in blood. Right. Which one is the? I think the blood. Well, the one, the blood one, which is the one that I saw, uh, is the British version, I believe. Okay. Uh, and that's the one you want to see. I wasn't as taken with that movie as everybody else was, but I will say it had it, it had its moments. It certainly was great. I really, really like that yes, movie. Yes, Sarah really liked it. Uh, don't get me wrong, I like it. I give it a thumbs up. I don't believe it's the scariest movie like ever, which I know some people did. I did like it though. The, the key though with the movie The Descent, and we were just talking about the, the Night of the Living Dead and the Freaky mm -hmm. and the Hey Hey and the whatnot. That's what the, made me call. The key is do not get the stupid American version because the American version they have done what they always do in America, which is where they have to tack on like an additional four minutes of happy ending. So uh -huh. you don't want a happy ending. That's not what you go to a horror movie for. So you, make sure you get the un, you know, the, the uncut uh, European director's version. Do not get the American version of that film because it's ass. Right on. Right on. One more thing, real quick. Yes, like, sir. The last four days, you've said a word. When you say it, I just think something to myself. The word is scrotum. I barely knew him. All right. Thank you. There you go. Wait for the click. Oh, right. you can also buy soap from McConnell Lodge, Super 8, Sleep In, Roadway, Ramada, Quality Inn, Howard Johnson. I didn't even know they had Howard Johnson. I mean, what is the motivation for buying? Is this to the general public? Yeah, I guess well, so. Well, there are people who collect soap. Yes, yeah, I suppose. Who no one collects 500 bars of Travel Lodge soap? You well, collect one. Well, I collected you, one. You can get 1,000 bars of fa uh, wrap facial soap. From McConnell Lodge. Is this like when you're reminiscing fondly about banging that cocktail waitress at, a, at like an Econo Inn or something? I guess so. If only I could smell that way just once more. And like now you can. You can smell that way 500 times. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. I, I suppose. I mean, who reminisces about the time they spent it? Like, you know, a great... That's a travel lodge. Seriously. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it, see, they had beds that worked. I'm just saying... 
you know, whatever. You know, a place that I want to stay simply because of the name. This is if you if you're if you're on the road to Wilsonville, which is like being on the road to Perdition. If you're on the road to Wilsonville to go to Fry's, anybody who has gone from Portland to Fry's passes a place called the Snooze Inn. Oh, I've seen that. S N O O Z or Z as they say in Britain. I N N. And but it's actually all one word. Snooze Inn. I really want to stay at that place sometime. I don't have any need to. Just sometime, Lara and I are going to pack up some night. We're going to go spend the night at the Snooze Inn, just because I like it. I like the title. I like the logo. I like everything about it. Snooze Inn. That's where I'm going to go stay. And it doesn't appear to be a chain. It appears to be an isolated hotel uh, right around exit 283, the Snooze Inn. I'm going to go stay there at some point. All right, here's Tim Riley. They also have some other things. They're featuring a sale on shoe mitts. I don't even know what a shoe mitt is. Well, you have to order it to find out. <laughs> but, I mean, no, really, honestly, what is it? Fresh and minty mouthwash. No, but back to the back to the shoe. shoe oh, it's like mitt. A, a shoe cleaning mitt. Yeah. Is it a, is it like a thing you buck your shoes with? Mm-hmm. I could use one of those. Yeah. All right. Now you, you know what I want them. for Christmas. For Christmas, I want 500 bars of soap from a travel lodge. We can buy them from this company. Excellent. All right. So, uh, getting uh, back to the uh, sleep story. Can we're, we please hold on? We're stressed out. We can't sleep when we're drinking too much, and it's getting worse. Forty-eight percent of Americans say that's they're just more, here at CBS. They're more. <laughs> oh. Come on, that was funny and topical. I'm sure some people are. 48% of Americans say they're more stressed than they were five years ago, and that same percentage reports regularly lying awake at night due to stress. Yeah, stress continues to escalate, and it's affecting every area of people's lives. Wasn't I just talking about this yesterday, about how I'm... Not to make everything about me, Rick Emerson. Well, that's why we're doing this story. But I, but I, we were just saying yesterday, we I, had a bunch of people call up, but we're just laying in bed at night, mind spinning away. I had bad dream after bad dream last night, and I'd wake up, and then I had the big teeth dream, yeah. and mm-hmm. then I couldn't fall back asleep. And you know what? And, and I made this observation yesterday. It has nothing to do with my sleeping cycle, because I'm getting up in the morning around 7.30 every morning, and, and I just cannot fall asleep lately until like 2 a.m. I just don't... I mean, it's a lie to say I don't know why. I, I mean, I... Because I know sort of why. It's because I sit there and my brain just just spinning along in my head. But I, I just, I mean, I really, and I, it really is times like this when I'm glad that I do not drink heavily, as apparently most people in this study do, because I'd just be doing it every night. Every night around midnight, I'd be opening up the Yukon Jack. Well, a study finds that a, as a result of stress, 54% have fought with loved ones, and 8% say the stress has led to separation or divorce. More than three-quarters of people taking the survey say stress is making them sick from headaches to upset stomach to the grinding of teeth. Yeah. Uh, drinkers and smokers report downing more booze and lighting up more often when feeling the effects of stress. All right. People feel overwhelmed and they're out of control. Yes, I would I would say. Big, big yes from me, Rick Emerson. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, how you doing, buddy? I'm fine! Good. Uh, <laughs> I sound stressed. I would uh, like to comment on the uh, whole idea about uh, American movies having the happy-go-lucky endings. Yes. Um, okay. Now, this is not. This is uh, slightly askew from that, slightly off tangent. But uh, I'm guessing everybody listening has seen *A Clockwork Orange*. If they haven't, then they should be shot. But um, the you know only our audience. Let me just stop here for a second. This is a great call. <laughs> But this is the kind of thing you would really only hear on our program, that the idea for killing someone based on their not having seen a clockwork orange is accepted as totally normal and even advisable, that we really are all with that. Okay, go ahead. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, back to the point. Um, and the, okay, fabulous movie, the book was even better. Now, uh, I don't know if you personally read the book. I This will make me sound like a noob and a, and a rube and a 
I just I tr- I tried, but that weird dialect that he uses is just impenetrable. I, it, I had difficulty. It, it is tough. Yeah. It's, now, if, if if you do ever decide to read the book, I highly suggest you get the original uncut. Uh, uh, writing of the book, which has 21 chapters, okay, which is the way it was intended to be released. Uh-huh. The American version of the book, which is what the movie is based on, only has 20 chapters. The last chapter is completely left out. It brings the story around full circle. It was, was also left out of the movie. Damn them. Well, here's it's, the thing. Uh, it's really unfortunate. Here's the thing. Uh, I've seen the movie Clockwork Orange a bunch of times. Let's. I'm just going to be honest with you right now. I'm never going to read that book. So here's the thing. No, no, no. Here's the, so here's the deal. I'm going to give everybody this warning right now, and I want you to give away the ending of the book. Okay. Uh, this, uh, well, this other chapter that, that is that is not readily available. Oh, you're, you're you're putting me on the spot because it's been a long time since so I read it. I I, I just remember well, the idea re- that re- that it was unfinished. But but you know, instead of it ending up him being all, all crazy and everything, and uh, what does he do? He, he he like jumps out of a window, I believe, to to, to kill himself. Right, and and I think that's the end of the movie. If I'm not, I'm sorry. Okay, well, you should go re- just refresh yourself at some point if you need to, and then let me know how the book ends. You know, I, I I'll do that. Sir. All right, Excellent. I will do that tonight. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. Take- you know, I have this observation to say about the Clockwork Orange uh, stuff. A, a Clockwork Orange, uh, culturally, based on my experience over there, was only I was only read like ten days or so, but just based on the stuff I saw for sale, a Clockwork Orange is the British Fight Club. Because everywhere you would go at the markets, they would sell Clockwork Orange stuff. I mean, I do get the feeling that that book really does resonate among the British the way that the Fight Club, the, the Fight Club thing resonates here. Just everywhere you went, there was Clockwork Orange stuff. And you don't really see that a lot here. You'll see guys dressed as a, as a droop for Halloween, but I mean, just like, just walking down the street, everybody you pass had Clockwork Orange stuff on. It was kind of weird, actually. And let me ask you this, while we're speaking about... Um, while we're speaking about snooze in and uh, in, in Britain, and I, we were talking about the zombie guys from Night of the Living Dead, the stage play. So I'm reading World War Z right now, um, which is uh, a, a pretty terrifying book, to be honest. It's uh, I didn't know what to expect from it. I, it, I, I, it is not what I thought it was going to be. World War Z, which is a novel uh, by Max Brooks, is not at all what I was expecting. But it is really great. Uh, and I think maybe that's because I thought it was something different. But when I started reading it, it's, I thought it was going to be sort of lighthearted, sort of, you know, kind of kooky. Uh, not at all. It's, uh, it's it's pretty horrifying is what it is. But World War Z refers to this sort of zombie epidemic. And um, anyway, that, that leads me to this question. Why, why Zed? Why is it called Zed? Why the singular modification on that letter and that letter alone? Go. Thumbs up. <laughs> this ends another segment of No One Wants to Talk About This Question That Rick Just Posed. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, here's this hour's Chinese recall. Uh, Mattel is uh, recalling 38,000 Go Diego Go toys. Oh, new headline. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, I'm done with Get the Lead Out. Mm-hmm. New headline? Total recall. Yeah, we need some sounder. Oh, we don't have anyone to do it, do we? Total recall. Total recall. Like the movie. Here's Tim Riley. So this goes into the other barrel over the 665,000 other uh, lead-contaminated children's products. So more lead products for tots. Uh, let's see. These are 38,000 orange and yellow Go Diego Go animal rescue boats. They're made in China like everything else is and imported by Fisher-Price. Uh, surface paint on the boats contain excessive levels of lead and will kill children just like everybody else. Well, he may be lacking in turning out hits. 
Actually, that's wrong. He does turn out hits and draws huge crowds, but Jermaine Dupree says Justin Timberlake is lacking star quality. According to page six, the music producer pops off on the pop superstar in his new autobiography, Young, Rich, and Dangerous. And it, Dupree writes, I think Justin Timberlake is a talented performer, but he's very ordinary looking. He could be any skinny white kid from the suburbs of Orlando. That is true. You could go to the mail and find another Justin. He just doesn't make his style interesting, even when he is on stage. There really isn't anything. Look, let's just be honest here. There isn't anything exceptional about Justin Timberlake, except see if you can figure out the the, the common thread between these performers. Janis Joplin, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Justin Timberlake. Well, there you go. There's nothing interesting or exceptional, I say, to the horror of guitar players everywhere, about any of them except that they were doing something that was traditionally thought of as being a black person's uh, form of art. That's the thing. I mean, there's a, there's a million uh, blues guitarists who do what Stevie Ray Vaughan did. Uh, but the fact that Stevie Ray Vaughan, because he, but he just got this buy because he was a white guy. And so, therefore, because he was a white guy playing what was viewed to be a pri- uh, primarily at the time, anyway, black art form, suddenly he was, uh, you know, he was just sort of living deity. He did it with Justin Timberlake. You know, the, the only reason anybody care about, cares about Justin Timberlake is because he's a white guy who sounds like Michael Jackson. That's it. I mean... That's, so, you know, once again, Whitey gets extra points. Whitey is just graded on such a curve for everything. You know what I mean? Like, if you had just put Justin Timberlake's music in some sort of, I don't know, some sort of audio lineup and didn't let people see what he looked like, nobody would be impressed with that guy. Just like nobody would be impressed with Janis Joplin until you saw, but wait a minute. She is white, so... She, we'll, she's boring and she dies. We will, we will need to give her 35 extra points for her whiteness. Jesus. Uh, who wants to hear calls? Let's see. Here's what we've got. This we've got um, a call about Britney. Oh, uh, we haven't call, talked about Britney. A call about the snooze in. Oh, that's good too. Okay, well let's take that. Oh, uh, Britney at the snooze in would be higher oh, yeah. on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir, or madam, as the case may be. Hello. It's madam this time. Hi. Hey, um, I slept in the snooze in about six years ago. Yes. And it was just a one night popping in for business, and oh. I got in there late. I know what like, you mean. No, not that kind. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I ended up, I got in about 10 o'clock at night, and I ended up sleeping on top of the sheets, fully dressed. I was so terrified. Now, maybe it's changed. Sure it has. I'm sure it's a fine business. Oh, my God. I couldn't even take a shower there the next morning. It was that terrifying. It was the most disgusting place I've ever you been in my life. You slept fully clothed on top of the sheets. Yes. Yes. All right. I did not want to get in, and I was so afraid that someone was going to break in and kill me. Somebody's screaming, here's Johnny in the hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're coming to get you, Laura. <laughs> That's what it All felt right. like. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Bye. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, we got another snooze in call, or we have Brittany here at KCB Portland. In. All right. Yeah. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, uh, Mike. Uh, yeah, Rick, uh, mark the snooze in off your things of places to go and see and do. I'm so disheartened by this entire conversation. <laughs> that lady didn't take enough protection staying dressed and sleeping on the on top of the sheets. You needed to find the large trash bags they had and cover yourself in them. It, it's bad. It's You just can't believe it. Well, okay. Thank you, sir. <laughs> but rush on down there. Laura probably has you know, a great time. You know, probably thank you for it. Time for, time for a second honeymoon. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thank you. Yeah. All right. There you go. Okay. We've got another call about the snooze in or Brittany? Brittany. All right. We'll get the other call in and then we'll wrap all this up. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Ricky. Hey, Sari. Hey, Jimmy. This is Danny. Don't talk that way. <laughs> 
How you doing? Hi, what's up, sir? How can I help you? Hey, uh, I was I hadn't heard the uh, the trailer crash rhapsody for a while. I was wondering if uh, you had to take it off the air or something. I'm sorry. I mean, please forgive me. I don't know. Are you talking about the Britney Watch theme? Yeah. Uh, vodka in Heaven. No, we have that. Uh, well, we use it as our Britney Watch theme. We haven't played the whole thing in a while. Maybe we'll play it uh, later on the I'm hour. sure we could find some Britney news to be able to talk about. Is there any Britney news? Well, yes. what, I, what I was hoping to do is uh, dedicate it to a special friend of mine. Is this an ex-girlfriend that you're mad at? No, 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 no. It's, it's, actually, it's actually just a very good friend of mine, but uh, she's been dying to hear it, so... Because she hasn't heard it yet. I'm I'm confused. Let, let's stop here. Let's so start. Ag- let's start again. You want Britney. us to play? Just let me do the talking. Bot, for a second. Bot can have it. Stop. <laughs> Just you. You do the listening for a second. Uh, so you want us to play the Britney Watch uh, song "Vodka in Heaven" so that you can then dedicate it to a friend of yours who is not Britney. Right. What's her name? Christy. Christy. Is that Christy with a K? Yes, and it is. And oh, is, it, is it in with? A, is it Christy with a K and an I? Yeah. Yeah, of course. No, no heart, so. No, yeah. Behold my shock. Okay. Um, so I'll tell so you what. Christy's, Christy's one of your good friends. Are you married, man, sir? Uh, no, I'm divorced. Is Christy a sexy friend? I'm happily divorced. Yes, she is. All right. Is Christy then. someone that you maybe want to bring a little closer to your life? Well, I, I do your know. penis? Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're, we, we live together. Are you uh, in your experimental phase? We're, we're spiritually <laughs> are you bonded. Seeing, are you seeing other people together? Uh, no, no. You sure? Yeah, I'm are not, you you're not swingers? Is in to swing? I I don't have the energy anymore. That's a sad oh. statement. I'm too old. <laughs> How old is Christy with a K? She is old enough. Twenty eight. How old are you, sir? Eighty five. Oh, don't be don't be don't be <laughs> No, I'm uh, forty eight. Well, good for you. Look at you getting it done. All right. Uh, oh no, you know we're we're spiritually bonded. Quit saying that. I don't know what it what means. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> No, she's a very good friend. She's been dying to hear it. So what does Christy look like? What celebrity does she most resemble? Oh, let's see. Uh, Just take as much time as you need. Eva Longoria. Really? Yeah. Oh, she's not your spiritual friend. <laughs> yeah, she's an old soul. Uh, Rick, Rick knows what I'm talking about. Sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll tell you what. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll play the song later on. Okay, great. Thank you, Dana. Thank you very All much. Right, there you go. That's Dana and the Coup. Yeah, we should play the whole one. Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. We either have to break right now or in 20 minutes. Let's break now. Okay. Well, let's play it later then because we don't have time to play it now. We have to, I mean, really, we do have to break now. Uh, so uh, Tim Riley will be back at the bottom of the hour with more news. Won't yeah. you, Tim? Oh, yes. Wouldn't miss it. Okay. Uh, we co- Really? Nothing but snooze in calls. How is it possible that so many people slept at the snooze in? Well, all right. Uh, we get back. We got more more of those calls uh, later on. Glorious bastard of the week and a copy of American Gangsta season one will be given away later on. He said, "That's the Rick Emerson Radio Show." Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, from Boston, the sure-to-be-gloating-happily-CNN radio correspondent named Ed McCarthy. Hello, sir. Rick, how are you? Yeah, you are absolutely correct. I am amongst Red Sox fans who are just jubilant over that win last night, but 
You don't want to get too cocky because these Rockies could probably come back at you. We'll see tonight. 13-1. to one. It was like a highlight game. They should have handed out sustenance because they kept knocking them off the wall. I mean, it's uh, uh, th- that is just, I mean, that is a routing. That is running up the score. Uh, that is, got, especially because it's got to feel weird for the Rockies because they were, as we were said, it was on such a huge streak, and then they had nine days off or ten days off or whatever it was. And, I mean, you want to talk about being brought back to earth. Well, they say, you know, that that layoff will make you a little rusty, and that could have been the case except for the fact that Josh Beckett, the pitcher for the Red Sox, really was on fire last night. There's no two ways about it. Let me ask you this. As a Red Sox fan, last night, was there any point where you just started to feel bad? At any point, did you feel sorry? Well, a lot of people were starting to leave. Uh, I think that fifth inning tired them out a little bit. Yeah. You know, these games start so late with network television. You know how it goes. Sure. And you think, you know, uh, I had to get back till 2.30 Eastern, you know, and, and uh, you're thinking, I'm up, up then for 6 o'clock in the morning. And it's just, and for people that have to go to work, it's tough. Yes, indeed it is. But we, look, but we make sacrifices during the World Series when the Red Sox are in, though, you know? I don't want you to think I'm crying in my beer here. No, of course not. No, and I'm sorry. It's just, it's just great that it's, so, it's just so loud and chaotic there. I can just sense it already. And, look, i got to tell you, I was talking to Roop earlier, and any day where your pants do not catch on fire, that's a good day at McCarthy. That is, a, that is an excellent day. We've got the gentleman over here. He's, yelling, he's selling programs here. Yeah, come on. Let's pump it up here. Come on. Yeah, there he is. Here, selling programs. Fantastic. Well, have some uh, have some peanuts or something to me. Something to have, some, have some ballpark yeah, food for me. Yeah, we're actually. You know, it's really funny. My brother-in-law came down from Maine here, and uh, he's a pilot for American Airlines, and he he's flying over last night over Fenway Park, coming back, and then the minute he got. And so the uh, terminal, he called me, <laughs> and I'm at the game. So we're sitting here having a bite to eat and before I head into Fenway and hook up all the uh, radio equipment and start going to work here. All right. Hey, dude, I'm going to let you get back to it there. I can tell that it's just it's a little bit of a, a little slice of, uh, of chaos and discord. So congratulations on the win last night, and uh, we will talk to you soon, my friend. We'll talk to you from Denver. All right, there you go. See you in a radio correspondent, Ed McCarthy. Was he in a bar? I don't really, it sounds like he was just outside of the park, but I, it really, I mean, would, would it surprise you to know it sounds like Ed was a little drunky. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. Drunk on victory and also alcohol. It's 503-733-2970. Here's what you got to get done. Uh, glorious Bastard of the Week right there. Ooh. Uh, oh, don't forget, this hour, uh, and uh, Timmy Ryan, I am speaking to you, sometime this hour, uh, we're going to be giving away a copy of American Gangster uh, Season 1 on DVD. Do not call now, but at some point this hour, you will hear the following magical soundbite. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. When you hear that played later on, be caller number 9, uh, and you want a copy of uh, American Gangster Season 1 on DVD from uh, BET and Paramount Home Entertainment. I have a whole thing that I'm supposed to read about that. I just had it like a second ago, and now it's gone. Well, whatever. Uh, I'll read it twice later. So uh, we'll do the Glorious Bastard of the Week here in just a skosh. I know you wanted to uh, to talk to our good friend, uh, Timmy Ryan. Well, I don't know what about, but he's such a strange character. I think people would be interested in him He is cut from his own cloth. He really is. He's cut. He's not even really cut from cloth. He's cut from a weird sort of metal sheeting of some kind. Uh, he's cut from... Uh, well, my wit just completely failed me there. Oh, that was a nice try, though. I was going to say, he's not come from a different cloth. He's cut from... See, what can you say that's funny there? What He's cut from... 
Maybe like that webbing stuff they have on cheap lawn furniture? No. Mm-hmm. He's not cut from a different cloth. He's cut from corrugated... No. He's cut I'm sorry, from... I wish I could help you. <laughs> you know what it is? We've gone down a completely dead end there. Comedically speaking, we have a, we have gone into a, to a construction zone from which there is no exit. All right. Well, let's just all pretend that uh, pretend that didn't happen. I'm trying to find my glory. There we go. Let's just do this. <laughs> Time for the glorious bastard of the week. Greetings and salutations, Stephen Roberts. You are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, you, have been selected as the AM970 Glorious Bastard of the Week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM970 pile of crap, including a copy of American Gangster Season 1 on DVD from B, uh, BET and Paramount Home Entertainment, as well as the wonderful knowledge that, for at least this one week, you, sir, are just a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status, and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. Thank you for listening, Stephen Roberts. You are the glorious bastard of the week. And of course, don't forget to sign up to be an AM970 glorious bastard at 970.am. That is 970.am. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I killed some time. I am going to... Am I sorry, I'm really so transparent? You really are. I'm just trying to come up with a what he's cut out of thing. And that's occupy. This is like in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when Arthur stops the entire uh, onboard computer on the ship by asking it to make him a cup of tea. Anywho. Cut from a different cheese? No, you don't want to. No. Who said that? Was that was Squid's suggestion. No, Squid. No. Look, I know you got to save your wit for later, but no, that's just bad. Um, well, so- since he does the porn music stuff, maybe we can do something with that all right so let me uh let's see here so i'm going to read this email which is terrible uh this is from two days ago the email has now mellowed enough and perhaps the topic has mellowed enough that i will read this now on the air we christened this the other day the worst email we had received in many many weeks i will read you now this worst email then we'll play the britney song into the break then we'll come back at the bottom of the hour with Tim Riley. We will talk to Timmy Ryan just a little bit. Uh, we'll have the top five and so forth. Like us at three, like us 101 at five, Donna Mike at seven, and so forth. Before we go any further, I am going to read you this email. Then we'll do the uh, Britney thing. We'll break. Uh, oh, and it is High Concept Thursday, and I never got to that. Well, we'll try to fit that in later on this hour. So on Tuesday, uh, we had a little bit of a discussion about things that are covered with grime, filth, bacteria, muck, and all kinds of parasitic disaster. And the question was, what is a thing you touch every day and don't think about it that is, you realize is probably crawling with bacteria? And people were talking about the top of the, the pump on the Purell bottle. People were talking about gym equipment. People were talking about money and the fact that if you shove a $20 bill into your nose to snort cocaine, you're not only putting cocaine on it, you're actually putting things from inside your nose on it. And thank you for passing those things on the $20 bill along to me via my hand every time I try to buy some chips at the store. So we had this whole discussion about drinking fountains and about how drinking fountains are often used by dog owners downtown as sort of mobile places to hydrate their canines. And I was talking about how when I was a kid, you know, I was going to a drinking fountain, and I looked at it later, and there was like a beetle crawling across the top of it, and it was all kinds of disgusting. I then got this email, which we determined to be too horrific to play on the air, so uh, to read on the air. So now that a couple of days have passed... Well, I don't know what even what it's about. Well, you're going to find out in mere moments. Subject line, bad drink. Rick? And then we'll play the uh, Britney uh, song from Nickel Arcade, uh, going out, sound like uh, like the guy on the Quiet Storm, going out from Dana to Christie. 
Rick, what's worse than beetle filtered water? I was doing yard work one day and getting thirsty, so I turned on the hose. Turning on the hose is always the beginning of any great story, sir. I was getting thirsty doing yard work, so I turned on the hose. Letting the water get cold, I took a drink. Something big. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me just reset what has happened so far in this email. He was doing yard work, and he acquired what in the Old West they would refer to as a powerful thirst. He was doing yard work. He let the water run to achieve the desired temperature, to achieve the coolness he was looking for in this refreshment. After letting the water get cold, I took a drink from this hose. Something... Big and somewhat like a bunch of stems went into my mouth. Who wants to guess no! what it was? You want to guess? Slugs. <laughs> I don't know what kind of slugs you're talking about, unless they've been left out in the Mojave for a week and a half. Slugs aren't really like a bunch of stems. What might feel like a bunch of stems? Snake. <gasps> I have the best idea in the history of great ideas. Can you hold on a second? Of course you can. It's my show. You'll hold on all slumps. I want you to. Stay right there. I'll be back in like 15 seconds. That's unfortunate. Fatboy's not here. I wanted Fatboy to come in and hear this story live on the air. Let me begin again. Why? I was doing Why are you doing this? I was doing yard work one day, so I turned on the hose. Letting the water get cold, I took a drink. Something, Bad person. Something big and... I'll read this again later to him when he comes to work. He'll be here in about 20 minutes. I'll, I'll read it again. Yeah, he always parks me in. Something big and somewhat like a bunch of stems went into my mouth. Let's all pause to imagine what that must feel like. My first reaction was to spit it into my hand. My second reaction was to scream in horror and try to throw whatever it was away. This took a few tries to accomplish. Why? Well, I don't want to know. The object that I drank was... Well, i got to clear my throat. <clears throat> Sarah's actually pulled herself back from the microphone. You're physically withdrawn from me now. I, You've a actually... bunch of stems is like the worst thing I've ever heard. A bunch of stems? Something big and somewhat like a bunch of stems went into my mouth, okay, he said. Okay, will you just say what it is? Well, here's what he did first. His first reaction is he might have, you might have missed this part. He said, no, was just, just spit it into my no, hand. Now, his second reaction, as he says in the email, was to scream in horror and try to throw it away. This took a few tries to accomplish. Why? The object I drank was... 
One of the largest black widow spiders I have ever seen. And had grabbed onto my finger and webbed itself onto my hand. Best show ever, Scott. All right, there you go. Thank you. All right. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. This one's going out from Dana to Christy from all of us here at the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Nickel Arcade. I hope there's vodka in heaven. Rick Emerson Show continues next. Don't go anywhere. It's AM570. Solid state. Bunch of stamps. Radio. is the copy. Yeah, we're going to be giving away a copy of American uh, Gangster Season 1 sometime before the end of the show here, uh, and again tomorrow. Meet the Gangsters, everybody is talking about. BET's critically acclaimed crime docudrama, American Gangster. Now on DVD, this hard-hitting series features true, ki- true crimes with real consequences. The complete first season hits the streets uh, now, actually, only from BET Home Entertainment. So we'll be doing a uh, copy of that later on. Uh, Be listening, ladies and gentlemen, for Tim Riley to say... Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. When you hear that later on, be caller number nine. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it is the one and only Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The U.S. Postal Service is releasing a new postage stamp featuring Star Wars Yoda, known for his odd syntax as well as his wisdom. The Jedi Master stamp was originally part of a multi-stamp Star Wars set and is now available as an international or an individual stamp following a public vote on which set should receive special attention. So wait, I'm sorry, I I was distracted actually because as soon as you said Yoda stamp... That's um, exactly what I said. I was trying to find this email from a listener of ours who has created two pumpkins. He has created two jack-o'-lanterns uh, for outside of his home. And he lives in the suburbs where you can put those jack-o'-lanterns out without fear of them being stolen and or destroyed. Mm-hmm. He has created one that is a Death Star, and he has created another that is Yoda. And they're fan-freaking-tastic, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that is the Death Star is really, I mean... I don't know whether to feel happy for him or sad for him that he spent, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm multiple hours creating a Death Star and a Yoda out of pumpkins. I mean, it really is like a uniquely American thing, I think, to try to find something really bizarre and just freakishly outrageous to, to, to turn a pumpkin into. Um, anyway, so go ahead with the, uh, the stamp and the whatnot. Yeah, so uh, the Yoda stamp is up. They also released the Christmas stamps, and uh, two of them are Madonna. One is Madonna and her child, and then there's Madonna of the Carnation. Wait, let's... I'm so completely lost in this story. Those are Christmas stamps. So, the, the, the post on. 
The post office is selling a Yoda stamp. Yes. Now, you said there was a vote of some kind that we were supposed some to take Some sort on. of vote, yes. What does the vote entail? It, 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 it means there's a ballot and you pick the winner. I understand. What are we voting on? Uh, whether or not you want uh, Yoda on a stamp. As opposed to what? I don't know. Is there another choice? Is there an option, or is it simple? Is it a simple thumbs up, thumbs down on Yoda? Man, let me look. Who here. would vote no, opposed no, 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 no. to? Who would? It would be opposed to a Yoda stamp. Mm-hmm. That doesn't represent America, Rick. Emerson. It absolutely represents America. Not my America. I'm sorry. Well, then give it the Madonna Christmas stamp. You know, it, re- it represents uh, the America Madonna. and uh, and Alderaan or wherever, wherever Yoda's from. All right. Well, wherever Yoda is sold. I'm bored with the story already. I am too. So okay. let's do a uh, geek watch. Oh, actually, that is kind of a geek watch. Well, let's do the other part. Here's your geek watch for Thursday. The show was fine until about eight minutes ago. It all started falling apart about 20 after. Fine. Television show. That's all, okay? It's a bunch of fun stories. We were wondering if the quantum flux... There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. The Force may soon be coming to a television near you. George Lucas is planning a live-action television series spin-off of the Star Wars movie. He says he has just begun work on the series, which does not include the film's major characters, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. The Skywalkers aren't in it, and it's about minor characters. Well, He won't right. reveal details, uh, but the series would be about the life of robots. This sounds really exciting. Yeah, uh, Please yeah. tell me when it's going to be on so that I may watch this show about robots. From well, he's uh, 63 and already has another television series in the works. Lucasfilm Animation has begun working for months on a computer animated Star Wars, The Clone Wars. That's it. No Send in excited. the clones. Uh, uh, I'd rather have a done at Christmas stamps. Send in the clones. My Graftar's hammer. Sons of bitches. Son of war van. I shall avenge you. Next. Loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Wow. So uh, Microsoft has uh, purchased 1.6% of Facebook, and they paid $240 million for it. For a percent and a half? Yeah. I don't even. I thought Facebook was the thing that was just for high school kids. Yeah, apparently so. No, it's all hip with the kids now. Really? I thought it's it was... a lot of um, like company networking and whatnot. I thought so. It's just what is different between what is the difference between Facebook and MySpace? Well, MySpace uh, news corporation Rupert Murdoch paid five hundred eighty million dollars for that. But I mean, from well, a see, user Facebook can get into your uh, email account and accidentally oh, invite right. everybody that you've ever met in your that's life. That's right. Going, oh. Facebook was the thing that you used when you inadvertently uh, invited like everybody who had ever emailed you anything. You invited them all to be your friends. What was there? How many emails did you inadvertently send out? How many invitations? Like 300? I don't know, let me look at my contacts. How many responded? <laughs> uh, that, that's going to be my follow-up question, oh. is how many said no? So 322 contacts. So you inadvertently invited about 300 people to be your friends. Now, uh, how many said yes? I don't know. I haven't checked my... Facebook just scares me now. Like, I don't ever want to go near it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Let me see how many friends I have. What, so you're going to rub it in my face that nobody likes me? I'm just saying, what if it was less than 5%? What if it was like 15 people? How would you feel about that? I don't know. I think I didn't ask them to be my friend. I just invited them to join Facebook. Now, I'm going to ask you this. Now, do you know uh, when someone, in other words, is it a passive non-joining, or do they actively decline to be your friend on Facebook? Because I was wondering, like, if you invite somebody to be your friend, let's say, let's say Sarah and I don't know each other. Let's say uh, I sort of casually know her, and I invite Sarah to be my friend. On MySpace, you either say yes or no, right? Uh-huh. But, so I wonder, you know, so you get, like, the actual rejection. Like, no, your request has been declined. 
it, you know, where something, you know, sometimes if you invite somebody, you might forget about it two weeks later. You forget that you ever even invited them, and they just do nothing, and they, the invitation lapses. The Internet, though, lets you actively reject somebody. You can actually say, no, stamp, I rejected. I, I, Remain friendless. You, <laughs> you, yes. You will not be my social companion in any way. Okay, can I tell you what scares me on MySpace? Mm-hmm. Friend, uh, Facebook may scare you because of the inadvertent invitation. Have you done this, though? And I bet you have, because Sarah and I will not reveal uh, the, 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 the intimate nature of this conversation that you share with, the personal nature of it. But you told me that a guy you hadn't talked to in a long time tracked you down on MySpace the other day and wanted to be your friend. Do you remember telling me about this? When what? Remember you told me a couple days ago a guy who you have not seen in many, many years. Oh, yeah. Tracked you down and wanted to be your friend on MySpace. And he wrote me a little email, too. And we didn't leave on the best of terms, I'll tell you. And he uh, tracked I knew him. You... I knew him in college. Yes. And uh, is that when you were taking... It was a mistake I made. Is that when you were taking biblical studies? He was a mistake I made. <laughs> and I haven't thought about him in, what, in five years? And then just out of the blue... He, hey, so uh, Here, I'm going to be passing through right town, now. and I I got this penis. Here's the subject. Hey, you. <laughs> hey, Long you. Long time hey, smiley you. face emoticon. <laughs> you must have been in NYC when I was, because I walked by, right by the Sex in the City filming earlier that day in 5th and 57th. I could have walked right by you. I'm How are you? I'm a stalker. Uh, and he's one of those guys, too, that's really egotistical, and all of his pictures are just of him taking him of himself and, like, different serious face poses with different hats and, like... <laughs> Just me with the Grand Canyon in the background. Uh, so, are you gonna? Are you even gonna respond to him? No. You're just gonna pretend you never got it. No, I'm just pretending. All right. So now, do you do this though? Here's my fear on MySpace, and Tim, this is a fear you don't know because you don't use MySpace. So you've avoided all these. I, all this I have no openings for friends at the moment. <laughs> I'm sorry. So you have to wait I, for somebody I've to die. All the applications. It's like it, it's like it's like when you're a kid at the card table waiting to sit with the grown-ups. You have to wait for your aunt to finally die. <laughs> yes. Uh, so someone in Tim's circle of friends must be hit by a truck before you can accept new applications for yeah. friendship. I do this occasionally. I will use MySpace to sort of, you know, see if somebody I used to know, see what they're up to, see what they're around, you know, what, what, you know, if they're around, what they're doing, you know, whatever, what they look like now, whatever. But how do I put this? There is this function on MySpace where you can search for someone by their name, you know, by their email address, and you have to be logged in to do it. And so you'll be logged into MySpace, you will go to the search function, and it'll say, who do you want to search for? Do you want to search for the name of the email address? And I'll say, well, whatever the name. So I'll type in the name of the person, and then I will hit search. But if you search by email, you have to be really careful. Here's what I discovered on MySpace. If you are searching for uh, someone you used to know on MySpace, and if you are searching by email address, if you search by email address and they are not a member of MySpace... You have to be really careful because a big button comes up that says, yeah, we can't find them on MySpace under that email address, but click enter and we will send them an email inviting them. And you're like, no, because a lot of times... And you can't take that back? No, because you just want to spy on them. You just want to see if they've got a photo. You don't want to talk to them now. You just want want to see. You just want to spy. You want to lurk. You want to see what they're up to. Mm -hmm. So I'm logged in, Rick at RickEmerson.com, whatever, and I'll, you know, who do you want to search for? Well, I want to search for blah, blah, blah at AOL.com, who I knew 10 years ago, but who I really don't want to talk to now, you know? 
You know? Let's see if they look like. He just want to see if they got fat. Exactly. Uh, email address in. Hit enter. I'm sorry. We can't find blah, blah, blah at AOL.com. You know, click enter, though, and we will send them an address telling them that Rick Emerson wants to talk to them again. And so <laughs> I don't just hit the backspace. I full-on close the window. Like, I close the window. I X out of that to make sure that there is no way... Because I'm sure that they don't remember me, and that's fine. I just kind of wanted to take a little gander in the window of my space at their life. I don't want to invite them to, to be my pal. So you want to see the guy? Yeah. Oh, can I? This is yeah. the guy with whom you made a... Really? That guy? That guy. He's, he was good looking at the time. You know what he looks like? He looks like no, a guy... No, there's an even better one where he's trying on his glasses. Let me just tell you who that guy is. That's a guy who auditions for a role that eventually goes to... Um, it was a mistake. No, he. That guy auditions for a role that later goes uh, to James Spader. Reeve. No, I'm uh, telling you, I'm telling you, if you can't get James Spader and your budget is only five grand, that's who you hire. He totally because he came from a rich family. He's kind of like soulless and yeah, evil. <laughs> but <laughs> things ended well. <laughs> but at least for a night, he was all you ever wanted. <laughs> oh, it's so wrong. Yeah. Was this, uh, was this, it's so um, wrong, but it's so right. Did alcohol contribute to this mistake? Yeah, he was a bartender. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, Tim, let's do well, one more here, and then we'll have a little special treat for the people. All right. It's, uh, happy birthday, Hillary Clinton. She's 60 tonight, and there'll be a big party hosted by Bill Clinton at She's the Beacon 60? Theater. Yeah. At Broadway in 75th and Manhattan. You know, I no gotta say. celebrities will attend. That weird reality distortion field that she sometimes has, uh, is working on me, because I never would have guessed that she was 60. I would have thought she was still in her mid-50s. Oh. All right. She looks great. Yeah, she really does. Until she comes and eats your blood, you know, until she comes and uh, kills like your fire-breathing dragon. <laughs> until her body comes at you the top like a gigantic sort of robot. She wraps in her tentacles around you. <laughs> until she last blood until she makes a, a blood makes a you. coat out of your puppies. All right. Uh, are you done, Tim Riley? I am. All right. Let's introduce a special guest. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, Please, and seven, okay. top of the hour, all the way through, like us. All right, so there you go. Yeah, so the moral is, if you're searching for somebody on MySpace, and you're searching for them with their email address, make very sure that you don't just randomly hit enter or return or whatever, because it might inadvertently alert them to your continued existence. You don't want to do that. I've actually thought about creating, like, a completely bogus, like, pointless uh, MySpace account it, just for when I decide I want to go looking for somebody's picture. I haven't done it yet. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Rock 101 KUFO, our sister station from the Court and Fat Boy Show. Fat Boy, hello, sir. Hello. I heard you were looking for me. I'm looking for Have you. Have you been listening to the show today? Um, a, a little bit. I heard the uh, the the Facebook MySpace uh, interaction. Although actually, Facebook it's easier to track somebody down Facebook than MySpace. Is, is I'm never using Facebook. Yeah, it, it's a lot simpler to track somebody down because all they have to do is know your real name. And then that's it. They found you. They don't huh. have to know your email. They don't have to know where you've been or anything. All they have to do is remember your first and last name, and they can find you rather easily. Because, see, but people on my, like, when you, I, freak, I don't even remember now, but when you first joined MySpace, yeah. you, like, you don't have to put, like, a full name or no, anything. You can, you can choose, you, you know, can call yourself, yeah, like, Darth Frodo 47 Shark or something yeah. like that, and, you know, <laughs> they can't find you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so I have a little uh, something. We're, you're going to be a one-person focus group for this. Okay. We have a little something we're going to read for you. All right. Because, and this is a scientific study. This is in the name of science and technology. Always happy to help out. Science. All right. So we are now going to gauge are your you reaction. That earlier story? Yes. Okay. There will be no pictures, no visual aids of any kind. Okay. Nothing is going to jump out of the shadows. The okay. floor will not become electrocuted William Castle style. Uh, under All right. Your, this, uh, not going to be, not going right. to be threatened by a... Uh, 
No. Sarah's ex James Spader? No, no. no. <laughs> it is just simply it is just an auditory exercise only. Gotcha. All right. The audience now Thanks will gauge your reaction to my delivery of the following email. Okay. Rick, I was doing yard work one day and getting thirsty. So I turned on the garden hose. Letting the water get cold, I took a drink. Something big and somewhat like a bunch of stems went into my mouth. My first reaction was to spit whatever it was into my hand. Oh, no. Second reaction was to scream in horror and try to throw the thing away, which took a few tries to accomplish. It stuck to his hand? Why? Yeah. The object I drank was 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 one of the largest black widow spiders no, I've God. ever seen. Jesus, man! <laughs> I'm not done. Really? And it had grabbed onto my finger and webbed itself onto my hand. Man. All right. Where why? would you where would you rate uh, your discomfort on a scale of one to ten? Nine. Okay. Why? 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 You did this yesterday too. I was yeah. in the office. You came down specifically <laughs> just to tell me a story about spiders. But this one's like your he's swishing it around in his mouth, like a bunch oh. of stems. Like a bunch oh, of stems. Man, no. Oh. And the spider can get into a hose. I mean, it could get into anywhere. No. Brushy stems. Brita filter. Oh. Brushy stems connected to a spider. Oh, why why even Britta invented a filter for your hose? I, I, I don't really know the they, answer. They would make money on that. I think they would make Not money on that selling that to rural areas. That yeah, seriously. Yeah. You sell that to rural areas. You, you stick that in the mom, pa, feed lot or whatever so they can go home and attach to their hose and you don't have to worry about black widows attacking your tongue. If ah. you would like to tell uh, Fat Boy some spider stories of your own, you can uh, oh. listen to He in Court tonight. Seven the midnight. Seven the midnight tonight on Rock 101. Okay, you have Back after this to wrap it up. Like us at three. Like us 101 at five. Donna Mike at seven. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Don't go anywhere. He's David Allen Co. It feels good to be a gangster. That was really loud. All right. That really was. All right. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of our show. All right. I will tell you this, by the way, and here's something we all know. Like 85 uh, times out of 100, when you do see, find, discover, or sent pictures of somebody that you knew in whatever capacity a long time ago, I have learned that they are always overweight, they always have three kids, and they now always live in Tennessee. I just love it that he's 32 and is looking for serious relationships and dating. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do love that, don't you? I do. Um, yeah. All right. Well, there you go. So, in any event, how long do we start here? <laughs> 15 seconds. All right. Well, because I was going to tell something else, but I can't remember. Were you going to tell the story that you just told me, or is that for off the air? Well... It's merged with another story. Ah, I should probably not even get into it. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about this. I don't have time. No, uh, I told part of that story, actually, on the air before. Um, You know what we have to do? We have to set you up with a Facebook account. I don't think that's a good idea. 
think it's a great idea. I don't think it's a good idea. Hey, we're done now. Uh, let's see. We're going to thank Cena Radio Correspondent James, My Pants Are On Fire, Roop, uh, as well as Mark Shearer and the one and only Ed McCarthy, uh, as well as the guys from BlueMonkeyTheater.org. Rick Emerson Show, produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM Line 70, Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, it's Tim Riley. Screening the phone today, Timmy Ryan. And, of course, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. Like us next. Like us 101 at 5, Donna Mike at 7. Uh, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 11. As always, thank you for listening. Don't let the bastards grind it out. Watch out for a big brush spiders in your mouth. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye now.